1: How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone podcast. DJ? Sorry, I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai.
2: I'm DJ, yes. Jumbo
1: Commander over here. (laughs) DJ, it's finally here. The last Strixhaven set review episode.
2: Uh, we had a lot of cards to look at. We have so many cool toys to play with. I'm almost overwhelmed by trying to get all these cards and putting them into all these different decks. Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. There's a lot of cards. I don't even know. Like, I've ordered a few that are like, definitely want our Archaeomancer's map and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole bunch. Like, Storm... Kiln artist, or whatever I talked about it, yeah. A couple yeah, of yeah. Episodes. yeah, I need to order some of those. Like, I need those for a bunch of decks. I ordered a few of those, too. Yeah, yeah, those cards are going to still slip through the cracks because there's so many. Anyway, we are going through today the last eight new commanders from C21, the Strixhaven Commander Precons. Uh, in part one of this, we went through silver quill Prismari, and Quandrix, and today we are covering Lorehold and Witherbloom. So, bef- we're going to talk about. The best synergies, the most powerful combos, all the cool stuff you can do with each and every one of these commanders. But before we get into it, cardkingdom.com slash command zone that's the affiliate link you want to use when you're ordering all of your magic products singles anything at all you want to pick up these precon decks you want to pick up Strixhaven. you want some set boosters you want some collectors boosters you want some draft boosters you want cool alt art japanese cards you want uh modern horizons too i think you could pre-order it already we got forgotten realms right on the horizon it's, i feel like they're previewing wow. two sets at once now this stuff is coming out so fast uh Magic cards. You know you're going to buy them anyway if you just use our affiliate link. When you do, cardkingdom.com slash commandzone, you're really supporting all of our content. And then when you get your hands on those cards, you want to keep them safe, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want them getting messed up, dinged up, banged up, anything at all. So put them into Ultra Pro Eclipse sleeves. Put them, uh, play them onto a nice Ultra Pro Playmat. when you build the deck and assemble everything make sure you put it into a nice ultra pro satin uh tower or maybe like one of their mythic collection deck boxes we've got a couple of the mythic collections uh, there's one i don't think you can see it but it's back there the magnets on those things are super super sturdy so they really and, and it's really classy and nice um materials so they really do protect all of your decks and you know decks can be expensive so you don't want them getting messed up so Ultra Pro is really the company that we use and trust with our own collections. Definitely highly recommend. And then the final way to support all of our content is directly. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you get to... Uh, get all
2: kinds of cool perks. You get to see Game Nights early.
1: You get to see Game Nights early. And the next Game Nights, we've teased it a lot on the show already, but it's going to have Post Malone on it. Uh, It's a pretty cool thing. He's he's a pretty big star, as most of you know, and also a huge Magic fan and player. Uh, So you get to see that episode a day earlier than the general public. We just had Extra Turns not too long ago come out. uh, Patrons got to see that a day early. Um, So there's all kinds of cool perks. Also, we have a Discord. You can chat with Jimmy, me, DJ. We're on there all the time. So, uh, patreon.com slash commands is the place to go for that. And also, another perk patrons get is we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to, to
2: Paul Tracy. Tracy. Paul, you rock. Thanks, Paul.
1: All right, let's get into it here. Our last Strixhaven review of any kind. C-21, the new commanders. There are two two colored commanders per precon, and then two mono-colored commanders. So that leaves us four for Lorehold, four for Witherbloom, and then we out. That's right. Okay. Let's
2: start let's with Lorehold. It. Let's okay. do Lorehold.
1: Do you want to read Oscar? Oscar.
2: I'm just calling him Oscar. Oscar? I like Oscar. <laughs> he looks kind of grouchy. <laughs> Oscar, the, the reconstructor. Is there some sort of trash can? That? Never mind. Okay. Oscar. <laughs> artifact. The re- it's got to be an artifact. I know, can, right? And it, it's in you the you trash can and bring it
1: back. You think it'd be green though?
2: Yeah. You, you put it in the bin. You do. All right. We've got Oscar the Grouch. It's two red-white for a 4-4 legendary giant artificer with vigilance. You can pay one and sacrifice an artifact. Target creature you control gets plus 2 plus 0 until end of turn. You can also play X and tap. Exile an artifact card with mana value X uh, from your graveyard and create two token copies of the exiled card.
1: Only as a sorcery, though.
2: Only as a sorcery.
1: Yeah. So... It's pretty clear like what's on the card, right? You can use Oscar to sacrifice an artifact, then you can use Oscar on the next turn, or if you could untap him, um, to now exile that artifact from your graveyard and make two token copies of it on the battlefield. So I mean, and double your money there.
2: If you have good artifacts, making two of them is even better.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: And you have a way to bin them on your commander. I think that a lot of people were really excited about this lower hold commander because... It does have a little bit of power boosting, but really it's a value generating commander, not this Boros aggressive stuff. It's Lorehold, you know, archaeology type stuff.
1: Really, the word attack is not anywhere on the card, which for most Boros cards is rare. So the fact that Lorehold's already kind of going in a value engine direction, I was very excited about when I saw Oscar. So, And this is definitely like an artifact value deck, right?
2: oh, yeah, you definitely want to use this activated ability. You want to pull really relevant things back from the graveyard. In many cases, you you have to pay full cost for it. So it's not like you're able to do ready cheat something big back onto the battlefield really quickly. Eventually you can. But right. in the beginning, you're going to want to pull back really small things, relevant things. Like, I mean, I think everyone's immediately thinking like, well, the most ubiquitous artifact in Commander's is a soul ring. I could totally sacrifice a soul ring and get two more of them.
1: Right. right? Yep, for sure. And you you do have to pay full price, but you get two for one, right? So you get yeah. two soul rings for the price of that one mana if you're bringing it back. So let's talk about the best stuff to bring back with Oscar. And to your point, I think the best stuff is the stuff you can do early and is going to be cheap. Because you're not going to want to spend or be able to spend a ton of extra mana to get really big impressive stuff out early. That's something you're going to do later in the game. So so things like um, Artifact Lands. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, so we've got, like, Ancient Den, Great Furnace, Dark Seal, Citadel. You can sacrifice them to Oscar or sacrifice them to another effect after you've tapped them for mana. And then bring them right back onto the battlefield. Uh, and that's not going to cost you any mana. And you're going to get two of them. So now Oscar literally cheated an extra land into play. So now it's a, a rampant growth for no mana on a card. Now, that takes... a. Yeah, a little bit of t- a little bit of mana. I guess it's one mana to sacrifice it through Oscar.
2: Yeah, but we have lots of other ways to get things into the graveyard. It's not just the sacrifice that can do it because because you are sacrificing that land drop. But still, like just on face value, like uh, land drop, sacrifice it, get it back. That's still good value ramping on your commander.
1: One mana, turn one of your lands into two lands. Great, great. So next up, we're going to talk about mana rocks, um, like the Soul Ring. But of course, we want them to be cheap or free, again, to get them out early. Mox Tantalite is a really good example of this. It's an artifact that you suspend three for zero. So for no mana, you just put it off with three suspend counters, and then after three upkeeps, it comes into play and it taps for a mana of any color. But if you use Oscar's ability to copy it out of the, or double copy it out of the graveyard, it won't suspend or anything. It just comes into play. So it will make two Mox Tantalites, so you basically get two mana rocks for zero mana through Oscar.
2: Yeah, because it doesn't have any mana cost. It's almost like a land. You just pay nothing, and you get it back. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, I We put Jeweled Lotus
1: down here, and I put a question mark, because are two Jeweled Lotuses good? I, obviously, like Jeweled Lotus helps you get Oscar out on turn two. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it is good. You'd just be like, yeah, I'll make two Jeweled Lotuses, and now... I'll you just basically Oscar can never go away. And now you basically can recast Oscar anytime you want for the rest of the game. Right? Because two jeweled lotuses just kinda guarantees the mana you'll ever need to pay commander decks.
2: I mean, I'm I am gonna want to play Oscar. On turn but, two. Yeah, and I have he has g- a
1: tap ability too. Getting him out early is so much better, just using him faster.
2: Yeah. So you get him out faster, and then whenever you have time, because if you obviously if you're getting better mana rocks back, whatever, but if you ever have time to tap it and just get two of these lotuses on the battlefield, like That might even be an insurance policy. People won't want to kill Oscar because they're like, look, I'm looking at a free cast -cast again on the battlefield. It's awesome. All
1: right, then let's talk about artifacts. I think one of the problems with this deck is going to be getting the artifacts in the graveyard. Yeah, Oscar can do it, but it costs some mana. Uh, And I like artifacts that sacrifice themselves. So they kind of do a thing and then put themselves where you want them so that Oscar can make two copies of them. So the first three are all bobbles. The first three we're going to talk about here, it's Mishra's Bobble, Urza's Bobble, Wayfarer's Bobble. Two of those draw you cards and one of those ramps you.
2: Yeah. So the Urza's Bobble and Mistress Bobble, those cost zero. You can sacrifice them. They have sort of a delayed card drawn there. Minor effect, but you get to draw cards. Yeah. Yeah. And it's zero. Tap, draw two cards. So it's, this card <laughs> kind
1: of draws you three cards, a, a Mistress Bobble or an, or an Urza's Bobble, right? With oh, Oscar. yeah, because yeah. you can
2: play it for zero, sacrifice it, then bring it back and do that. Wow. That is... An Ancestral Recall. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Wafers Wafers Bobble is pretty good too, because it can get a basic land onto the battlefield. It is a very, um, it's a ramp way to do things in non-green decks. It is expensive. It ends up being three mana to get a basic land onto the battlefield, but you want ramp in this deck and that's an artifact that sacrifices itself, gets it in the graveyard, easy to get back and then cash in those lands later on.
1: I I even think we're going to play some cards that we normally wouldn't, except for maybe in CEDH, that are like pretty low value. They're card disadvantage for what they do. Like Lotus Petal, Mm. zero mana for an artifact. You sacrifice it and add one mana of any color. Like a card for one mana is like not something we generally want to do. But because this ends up being like a card for three mana. It, it becomes a lot, lot better, like,
2: right? This is like a Black Lotus. You play it for zero, sacrifice it, get a mana, tap this, get two Do back, more. sacrifice both of them. Yeah, that, Black, that's enough Build value. your own
1: Black Lotus! Also, getting Oscar out a turn early with your Lotus Petal, I think is very important, again, because it has a tap ability. Mm-hmm. It's on a delay when you play it, unless you give it haste. So just anything that's going to get it out faster and get it starting to tap and get you value is going to be good. Lotus Bloom is a suspend version of Black Lotus. It's suspend three for no mana, and then you can tap and sacrifice it to add three mana of any one color. So kind of like Mox Tantalite, you'd, hopefully suspend this early. By the time it comes out, you use it. And now that's nine mana on one card, Uh, an insane amount.
2: That's so, that's so crazy. So we're talking about like ancestral recalls and black lotuses and nine mana. It feels like we're having this over the top card draw and mana that leads to explosive and powerful turns. Uh, And then I think
1: like you can get a lot of card draw out of your mana rocks and stuff too. So like mind stone commander sphere, both of those allow you, they tap for mana, but then they also can sack themselves and draw you cards, and then you bring them back with Oscar to get ramp. So that's ramp and card draw on the same card, which is really, really good. Burnished Heart is a card that sees a lot of play. It it puts two lands directly into play, and the fact that it sacks itself to do that means it's now in the graveyard to be used with Oscar to you know, get some more lands. And you might even like make two copies, sack it again, and just have this explosive turn. Well, I got six lands into the battlefield, and now on my next turn, I have a good chance to be able to win, right? Like six extra lands is so many. So many. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, also... Kirk Clan Ironworks KCI. We're going to talk about this card quite a bit just because Lorehold is very artifact focused and most artifact decks want a KCI. Uh, it's just an astronaut's altar but for artifacts so you can sacrifice an artifact and add two mana two colorless mana to your mana pool. That is technically an artifact that can sack itself uh, Oh yeah. but also allows you to sack all your other artifacts and once that's out now you're really cooking with gas here because you can sack any of your artifacts to it for no mana get them in the graveyard for Oscar to make two of. And it gives you mana that Oscar can then use. Because remember, as we move up the chain and do want to do more and more broken stuff, Oscar's going to cost mana. Mm-hmm. It has to pay the CMC or the mana value of the thing that it's making two copies of. So far, we've mostly mentioned things that are cheap, but, you know, well, I I guess that's not the um, the next the next uh, category, so I won't skip ahead here. But <laughs> there's other ways to get things into the graveyard besides KCI, though. I think you're going to want a number of sack outlets for artifacts, right? So a good one is Doretti. Scrap Savant. Three in a red for a three loyalty planeswalker. It's plus two is discard up to two cards, then draw that many cards which can put artifacts into the graveyard, right? You don't have to sack them. You're literally just replacing them in your hand and you're like, I want this artifact in the graveyard.
2: Absolutely. I think the Duretti pitching things in the graveyard, other things you might even play something like Faithful Looting or Wheel Effects or something yeah. like that. Anything that discards things to the graveyard for value means that you can directly have access to them with Oscar. And that includes those suspend cards, which might feel awkward to suspend. Might be just you, better
1: put yeah. directly in the graveyard and then cheat them out.
2: Pitch it to Duretti, cheat it out, and then you're they're faster.
1: Duretti also can sac artifacts though. It's negative two is sacrifice an artifact. If you do return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and this is a way to cheat uh, a big artifact for a cheap artifact. Negative 10, you get an emblem with a, when an art, when an artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, obviously very good sort of with Oscar uh, because you could still like, it's at the beginning of the next end step. So you have a window where you can make yeah. two top copies Bobbles, of it.
2: KCI, Mindstone, all that crazy stuff. You just sacrifice it all, do all that stuff. And then, roop, it all sort of comes back. But honestly, you're probably going to tick down Duretti to, to do this swappy thing with your artifacts before you have a chance to ultimate it.
1: Or you're going to rummage. Yeah. Um, Goblin Engineer is another sack outlet. It's a uh, two-mana one-two. When it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for an artifact card. Put it into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. So it's an entomb for artifacts. Just put something in there right away for Oscar to take advantage of you know maybe you just play it and you immediately put the soul ring into the graveyard and make two of it like how good of a turn, like four or something is that? Super good. Yeah. But also Goblin Engineer is one red tap it, sack an artifact, and then you return target artifact card with converted mana cost, three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield.
2: That's so many of the cards that we've been talking about, those suspend cards, those lands that we said, the soul ring, it really is hitting a lot of your cards. And remember, even though the sort of bring it back effect is a smaller artifact, it can entomb any artifact. So in the late game you can be like, oh, I'm going to get my big artifact and throw it in the
1: graveyard yep. I don't need the little ones anymore I don't need a mistress bobble right now yeah yeah and then like you said rummaging slash looting is so good because you can choose which artifacts to put in there and swap them out for cards off the top of your library so faithless looting quicksmith genius is a cool one two and a red for a three two when an artifact enters the battlefield under your control you may discard a card if you do draw a card so every time an artifact ETBs for you so Oscar makes a two token copies of artifacts that come in and Quicksmith Genius says, oh, well, do you want to discard two cards and draw two cards? And you're like, yes, I do because I want more artifacts in my graveyard, yeah. Uh, Smuggler's Copter is an artifact itself that Oscar can make copies of, but also when it attacks, you get to loot, you get to draw a card and then discard a card. Um, so just a lot of cool ways to get artifacts into graveyard. Do you know
2: what else dumps a bunch of cards in your graveyard is like Memory Jar. And yeah. Memory Jar is an artifact itself too. So. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you activate Memory Jar, you draw a whole grip, you can play whatever you want, but then... It just you just discard whatever you don 't use, and whatever you don 't use just ends up in your graveyard for Oscar to get back next turn or later on,
1: and you also sack memory jar to use it so yes, now it 's in your graveyard to make two copies of it oh that 's so good memory jar really really good really good uh, okay and then let 's talk about the fun stuff the the things that are good to sacrifice you know they want to be sacrificed, and these tend to be a little bit bigger, so like warm coil engine. When you sack it, it makes two three threes. One with death touch, one with life link.
2: Sack it, get two three threes. Put in your graveyard. Oscar gets it back. You get two, two six, six sixes that will die. If become... You sacrifice those and get two it's three, Just.
1: You, you'll have 6 three threes.
2: It's good because your big impactful cards that want to swing sideways have this level of protection to it. Yeah. So like they're good and then they leave something behind and then you bring them back and they're also good and then you leave something behind. So it's so. hard to
1: even board wipe and get out of this mess, right? Yeah. yeah. Triplicate Titan's a cool one. This is one of the uh, new cards from C21. Nine mana, but it's an artifact creature golem for a 9-9. Nine nine. Has flying vigilance and trample and basically does the golem version of Warm Coil Engine here. So when it dies... You make a 3-3 with flying, a 3-3 with vigilance, and a 3-3 with trample. These are all golems. Um, so you know what?
2: I'm not even intimidated by the nine mana cost on this. The no. way that we've been talking about all these lands and all this ramp. All your mana rocks, you're going to have like, two of them. Yeah. Nine is, like, totally fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're just, you're going to get a lotus bloom out and just do that on, know, turn, right? on turn four or something. It's going to be nuts.
2: I, yeah, you actually, I can see you being super explosive and then just dropping one of these really relevant big creatures super quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another cool one you put down here I really like a lot is Treasure (laughs) Nabber. So this is two and a red for a 3-2. When an opponent taps an artifact for mana, you gain control of that artifact until the end of your next turn. This is so great if your deck is built around sacrificing artifacts, because you're like, I have that from you now. You're never getting it back, because I'm going to use it and then sack it
2: it's on. you have sacrifice on your commander you have tons of other sacrifice basically they just can't they just don't use it anymore yeah they just you don't use any artifacts it just shuts them all down yeah you or you make you stony silence them or you make deals and you're like you can tap your soaring i promise i'll give it back to you i'm just gonna use the mana too i'll use the mana but i won't sack it yeah <laughs> just, <laughs> a, just giving you a just Sol don't rate.
1: tap it if they yeah. don't make that deal <laughs> Uh, All right, and then let's talk about Sacrifice Synergies. And this is another grouping of cards we're probably going to talk about a lot with uh, the Lorehold stuff because it it is so ubiquitous to artifacts. Mm -hmm. It's the Scrap Trawler, Junk Diver, Mirror Retriever. This is what I call Artifactocrats. uh, Scrap Trawler is a three-drop artifact for uh, 3-2. When it or another artifact you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, you return to your hand target artifact card from your graveyard with lesser mana value. So it basically says, like, if a four CMC, a four mana value artifact dies, then you can get something, an artifact three CMC or less, Into your hand. So this is a way to just kind of continuously recur. A lot of people use this with sculpting steel because it is a lower CMC in your graveyard than it is on the battlefield often. So you can kind of get into loops with this. This stuff works really well with KCI. Junk Diver, Mere Retrievers, get things back from the graveyard too. This this will be a common thing in these decks just to like loop your artifacts or get the ones you want back in your hand out of the graveyard. I view
2: Scrap Trawler a lot in my artifact deck. It's really great. And it's especially good when you do have those zero things, those bobbles, yeah. because you always get the bobble back and the bobble always gets into your graveyard. Because sometimes you can get stuck and you're like, oh, just the... There's nothing small enough there's yeah. nothing small enough but if you always have those bobbles and stuff churning through in those artifact lands you're always basically saying well i'm always getting a card and this is always going back to the graveyard
1: yeah and if it's zero you can usually play it right away and use it and just get your yeah. value right away too yeah absolutely uh goblin welder is another one that allows you to kind of swap uh artifact in play for an artifact in the graveyard but you can do that for other players too so you can be like oh hey your soul ring has gone and i'll give you back your wayfarer's bobble or whatever which is like you know it's worse than your soul ring is all i'm saying yeah yeah, and, but you can do it for yourself. Sometimes it's a, triple a huge kit. blowout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can get your worm coil engine cheated out this way too. Yeah. you know, you're like, I don't need one of these token wayfarers baubles. I'm going to swap that for my worm coil engine.
2: So, and then there's also wake the past, a oh, way yeah. to sort of bring back all of your artifacts, and uh, especially if you have big things like worm coil engine or that Triplicate Titan, giving it haste is particularly relevant. I think
1: this deck is going to have a lot more artifacts in the graveyard that you, then Oscar can realistically bring out. Oh yeah. So you're going to want to dump a lot of stuff in there and turn your graveyard into like this, treasure trove, this toolbox, and you're like, what do I need right now? But it's not going to be like, I only have three things in there. So when you get Wake the Past, which is five a red and white for a sorcery, and it says return all artifact cards from your graveyard to the battlefield, they gain haste until end of turn. That's just like, hey, no, I just get everything out there now, after you've rummaged and sacrificed and everything else. So yeah, very powerful.
2: Well, you've, you've brought up a really interesting point, which is that Oscar and these these other cards, they kind of work against each other, because Osgear does exile and all of these cards, the welders, the wake, the past, it does bring everything back. Um, so when you exile something with Oscar, it's, it's gone. You can't dirty it back or welder it back and stuff like that. But I, I think a lot of people are scared of that non bow, but I think that, yeah, I think that you're pushing through this. say, no, no, you will have plenty of stuff to do. These effects are still good. Don't worry, Oscar, whatever you want. And there will be plenty of stuff to recur with. Yeah.
1: If you build your deck, right, your graveyard will be overflowing and one to five cards or 10 cards that you exile, out of there aren't going to make a ton of difference. You'll get the value now, mm-hmm. um, and then let's talk about some more synergies with Oscar. So there's anointing procession. Oscar is making token copies of things from the graveyard, so you may as well get twice as many of those token copies. That seems pretty good. Oh. Uh, you could also <laughs>
2: double. Just imagine four of all these things. Jeez, like it's Louise. just so
1: much. Four soul rings. Does that sound good? Oh. uh rings of bright hearth allows you to copy an activated ability so oscar has an activated ability illusionist bracers also copies an activated ability it just equips rather than has a trigger like rings of bright hearth um lithoform engine can also copy an activated ability so and those are all artifacts by the way that oscar can make two copies of so good imagine like double illusionist bracers on oscar
2: I can't. I actually can't. I'm having a hard time. (laughs) I'm having a hard time. Then the
1: Laurel deck actually becomes a Quandrix deck at that point because you got to do so much math. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's talk about finally we'll wrap up Oscar here with some combo potential. So there's a bunch of stuff that you can do. And I think in any deck that's going to have a lot of artifacts and care about recurring artifacts, you're going to want Mycosynth Lattice which is six mana for an artifact that says, all permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. All cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells and permanents are colorless. Players may spend mana as though are mana of any color. So given that you're going to have that in your deck... If you want to be mean and combo you can get Karn the Great Creator, which has activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated. R- Michael said Lattice will turn their lands into artifacts, so they cannot activate them anymore to like do things. Um, that's a mean thing you can do. Another combo that's very adjacent to the strategy we're doing and I think would probably line up if you want to make this combo is Heliod Suncrowned and Walking Ballista.
2: Oh, that's right. So Walking Ballista will be really good because if you have a bunch of mana, Walking Ballista is a great mana sink because you can just keep stacking plus one, plus one counters on it. Always use your mana every single time and i found that it's really good to take those counters off and do a little ping damage there ping damage there oh those are blocks over there ping ping you know take out those relevant creatures
1: also you know with kci and the stuff you're doing you might get into a point where you can just make 50 mana in which case dump it into walking ballista and just kill somebody with it because you can go face
2: absolutely i think people are a little bit afraid because you can't activate your oscar and get two walking ballistas back so they're like oh it doesn't work but it's still quite good
1: yeah um and Heliod Uncrowned goes infinite by giving Walking list to Lifelink, and then when it pings something, that's you getting life, which puts another counter on it, and you can do that forever. So that's a combo that might go in there. There's some really interesting stuff I was reading on Reddit about Mirror of Fate. Do you see these ones?
2: No, that's an interesting card, though. That's
1: okay. a weird one. Let me read Mirror of Fate, because I don't think people, most people know it. It's five mana for an artifact. You can tap and sacrifice the Mirror of Fate, and then choose up to seven face-up exiled cards you own exile the cards from your library then put the chosen cards on top of your library <laughs> now this works because oscar is exiling cards from your graveyard so you can activate the mirror of fate and then take those exiled cards and put them back on your library but here's the thing the mirror of fate goes in your graveyard now if you make if you activate oscar you make two mirror of fates and the current mirror of fate in your graveyard goes into exile now you activate the first mirror of fate and it's going to basically exile your entire yeah. library. So
2: you stack your deck with the seven best cards that you've exiled. Well, you
1: do it with the second one, right? So you activate the first mirror of fate. You, you only have a mirror of fate in exile now. Yeah. And it exiles your whole library and you put a mirror of fate on top of your library. Now you activate the second mirror of fate. Your entire library was just exiled. You take that, you take your best seven cards, stack your library. And I'm, if you build the deck this way, I'm sure you can find it, figure out like every time I do that, It's like Doomsday or something, right? Yeah, it is. I stack them in a certain order, and I can win from there. Hmm. So anyway, Mirror of Fate, an very interesting card. It might also just be good in the Oscar deck for those people who are worried about, like, yeah, I do want to be able to get some things back from exile when they get exiled.
2: I think that this could be... I'm wondering how powerful it is. It's definitely fun and interesting. I'm wondering if, like, you could just win with, like, an enlightened tutor. Right. Do you know what I mean? Where you just get the artifact you need to get the KCI you need to get something else like that. But this seems way goofier <laughs> way <laughs> just, cute for sure yeah i'm not sure like how powerful
1: it, it is uh, there's one category we didn't put on here so i'm going to add it it's editors just put up on the graphic at the bottom untappers mm-hmm. so oscar does tap to do its thing so i think like thousand year elixir and things like that are going to be very good with oscar because you're going to want to use it multiple times mage Rite stone there's a few other colorless ways uh, staff of domination, staff of domination yeah. and those are artifacts too so you know you can sack them make two of them now be untapping it multiple times in a turn it does mana. Uh Oscar can be mana intensive depending on what you're getting back so you're going to want a lot of the zero cost stuff to pull that off or artifact lands in your graveyard and stuff like that but imagine the turn where you go okay tap Oscar get my you know get two ancient dens into play untap Oscar tap him get two dark steel citadels into play untap Oscar tap him get warm coil engine into play cuz i just put four lands yeah. untapped into play right so those are the type of turns i think you can maybe have with the thousand year elixirs and stuff of the world
2: That sounds awesome <laughs> Do you know what else is really good, too? Is that, like, oh, here's the thing. The whole conversation we've been talking about is, like, value engines and binning it and getting it back and comboing and stuff like that. Um, and we haven't talked about attacking really once. That's like, just a office. tiny bit. Yeah. I love it. But also, it does have an ability to pump, and we're pumping out a bunch of artifacts. You could theoretically come through with that triplicate titan or something like that yep. and just be, like, sack, 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 sack. There's an extra 10 damage.
1: Yep, you're dead. <laughs> Pretty cool. I like Oscar quite a bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right. Oh, man. I pulled a Pull DJ. DJ. <laughs>
1: Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the next lower hold commander. It is Alibu, Ancient Witness, three red-white for a four-five legendary creature Golem. It says, other artifact creatures you control have haste. And then whenever one or more artifact creatures you control attack, Alibu deals X damage to any target and you scry X where X is the number of tapped artifacts you control. So Alibu deals direct damage whenever you attack with at least one artifact, and the damage it deals is equal to the number of tapped artifacts artifacts you control. Also you scry that much.
2: Yeah. So the the critical part about Alibu is that you don't it's not directly related to what's attacking, it's just tapped artifacts. And so all of your mana rocks, all of your artifact lands, everything that's tapped there just suddenly becomes this big fireball to your face if you attack with just one Thopter or one mirror or Alibu itself.
1: Also if you have a bunch of creatures you can attack with them all and it will count the tapped creatures too. So it can get pretty mean pretty fast, I think considering a lot like mana rocks and artifact lands are not that hard to put in your deck you're Super already easy to you're already it, gonna yeah. put mana rocks in your deck anyway so i'd say on most turns somebody's attacking it would have like in a normal deck it would be easy for them to have three or four artifacts tapped at that point
2: easy and i s- think and i could see there's tons of different ways that you can play like a bunch of a couple thopters and like some artifact lands and then you're just like okay there's an extra five there's an extra 10 and i think that the scry is also a big deal. Stacking the keeps top you of your deck. It keeps yep. you, it really smooths out your draws. And so even though this is like a little bit of an attacking uh commander, it, there's a lot more nuance to it where you don't have to really swing all out to get that value.
1: I, I like that it gives the artifact creatures haste too. So it just has a way that like, even if you killed it, you might be able to or kill the creatures attacking. You might you can probably play something and attack with it right away. So you can sort of keep this going easier. It's harder to just stop. Yeah. So the first category is artifacts that tap without attacking. Uh, mana rocks, we said. Artifact lands. There's also like Mishra's Factory and Ink Moth Nexus that turn into artifact creatures that can trigger both sides of Alibu, right? You could tap them for mana and then turn them into the creature. Or you can use them as the artifact creature that's attacking to trigger Alibu.
2: Yeah, they're, they're absolutely great.
1: I love the the mirror, that, the mana dork mirror. So iron mirror, gold mirror. Plague mirror specifically is pretty good too, uh, just because it is scary because it has infect, but it taps for mana. And so you can turn it into maybe a lethal threat at some point in the game, but it's a mana dork early on. And the mana dorks, they don't need to attack. You just tap them for the mana. And now they're counting towards that extra alibu damage. Uh, the next category is stuff that can tap your artifacts. So a lot of artifacts... Might be a little bit difficult to tap. And so having some ways in the deck that allow you to tap your artifacts uh, can be very, very powerful. A lot of these are favorites of mine from that um, Tago and Kodama deck I played on game nights.
2: Oh, very cool. I like a gear per ether grid yep. where you tap two artifacts and you just deal a damage. Uh, that just means you just, okay, tap, 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 deal damage, deal damage, deal damage. Oh, look, all my artifacts are tapped. Swing in with one little guy and it's just a ton of damage to your opponent.
1: Yeah. And you did the gear per damage too. So it might be a ton plus like yes, two or three. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. Clock of Omens is another good card in the deck. It's four mana for an artifact, but you can tap two untapped artifacts you control to untap target artifact.
2: And this is just a good card in general because you can tap two little thopters and suddenly untap your Thran Dynamo. It can be a huge boost to your mana or getting special extra activated abilities and things like that. It's really good with equipment because oh, you, yeah. you,
1: equipment don't care if they're tapped or not. They still do their thing. And this just creates like two of your equipment kind of become a mana rock in that case, right? Uh, Lodestone Mirror is another cool one. Four mana for a 2-2 two, two with Trample, but you can tap two untapped artifacts you control, and uh, Lodestone Mirror gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, a way to get your artifacts tapped, and it could be the thing that's swinging as well. Yeah. Uh, Sahili's Directive you put on here, it's red, 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 and X. You can reveal the top X cards of your library. You may put any number of artifact cards with converted mana cost, mana value, X or less, from among them onto the battlefield, and then you put all the other cards revealed this way uh, into... Uh, into your graveyard but Sahili's directive has Improvise so Improvise says each artifact you tap after you've uh, after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one of this spell so it's a way to tap your artifacts because when you cast a spell all your artifacts become mana rocks for a second
2: yeah you just tap them all and then suddenly everything's tapped you get a good value out of them and then you can attack and get that trigger yep. um, there's a few other improvises I think that one of the more you know relevant ones is that inspiring sanctuary or statuary
1: yeah inspiring statuary is just a, a three mana artifact and it says non-artifact spells you cast have improvised So you do want to make sure you have enough non-artifact spells in your deck for this to be worth it. But in general, if you've got, you know, 30 or so, which you're likely to in the entirety of the deck, then this is going to be good because it will allow all your artifacts to tap to pay for, you know, all those non-artifact spells. If you're putting a bunch of stuff in your deck that's going to tap artifacts, there are a few artifacts you should consider. Howling Mind being the easy one. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's easy to not not know this because... Early on in Magic, Howling Mine was templated differently, and then later on, they sort of officially templated it. So it has some wording that isn't on, like, the alpha, beta, unlimited, revised version of the card. But Howling Mine is two mana for an artifact. It says, at the beginning of each player's draw step, if Howling Mine is untapped, that player draws an additional card. So with the ability to tap Howling Mine consistently, you can tap it during your turn... For improvise or something then when i pass a turn to dj it's tapped he doesn't get to draw the extra extra card neither does megan neither does mel comes back to my turn though and my untapped step happens and then my draw step so now it's untapped and then i do the same thing uh that's not so mean the mean one is winter orb <laughs> so winter orb says as long as winter orb is untapped players can't untap more than one land during their untapped steps
2: brutal. Oh yeah. my gosh.
1: So you just tap it on the end step before your turn and then you'll be able to untap on your untap step but nobody else will.
2: Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. This card could just be brutal in general like really good for your deck because you have a bunch of mana rocks and mana rocks get around this
1: right because mana can because artifacts still on tap just lands don't
2: yeah so we talked about all of those little guys that create mana we talked about all the mana rocks because you want them because you're going to tap them to deal damage with alibu and so instead they'll all untap yeah i guess i'll untap one land but guess what you're going to leave the lands that are the artifact lands tapped and that's going to be extra damage for alibu yeah that's a good point actually
1: all right and then let's talk about just stuff that Makes a lot of artifacts because you want Alibu to trigger for as much damage as possible. The first step to doing that is just having a ton of artifacts on the table, given that now we know how to tap them in a lot of different ways. Um, Mere Battlespear makes a ton of artifacts. Hangerback Walker dies and makes a ton of Thopters. Myriad Construct is... I'm
2: a big fan of Myriad Construct. This is
1: kind of a new card. I'll read it. It's four mana for a 4-4 artifact creature construct. It has Kicker 3. So if um, it was kicked, it enters the battlefield with a 1-1 one, one counter on it for each non-basic land your opponents control. So seven mana can often come in with like eight, ten counters on it.
2: So many counters in yeah. certain games. Like if you look around and look at all the non-basics that you're playing against, you're going to realize how big this creature can get.
1: Uh, and then when it becomes the target of a spell, you sacrifice it and create a number of 1-1 one, one colorless construct artifact creature tokens equal to its power. So... It can even be a 4-4 that you didn't kick, and so you'll still get four 1-1 artifact constructs when it gets targeted by a spell. However, you know, you can target it with your own spell. And also, when it comes in as, like, a 14-14, it has to be dealt with, and that's one of the great things about it. It can be the artifact that's attacking in, triggering Alibu, and then at some point, like, a lot of times people are like, I just have to kill that thing.
2: Yeah. I like its baseline is just a 4-mana 4-4, which is great. You can ramp that out super easily, and then make four little dudes, like that is just very good value. So what
1: else makes a lot of artifacts?
2: Can I sell you on a little card called Dockside
1: Extortionist?
2: (laughs) Can you sell it at a reasonable price?
1: No, unfortunately, because (laughs) they don't want to reprint it. So now it's like a bajillion dollars. $55 or something like like that? Oh my gosh. But we've seen the card go nuts every time it's played on game nights or extra turns often makes 10 to 12 treasure. That thing's crazy. Uh, smothering tithe, another card that makes a lot of, tr- of oh, yeah. artifacts over time because treasure art artifacts. I'm not saying you necessarily have to sacrifice them for mana. You can use them for inspiring statuary and things yeah, like that. Just
2: have them on the battlefield. And then suddenly you gear up or ether grid, tap, 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 tap. And Alibu is like ideal 15. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, my gosh. Uh, Scry 15.
1: Tago. I like quite a bit. Every time a land enters the battlefield on your, uh, under your control, you make a rock equipment. Those are artifacts that you can tap. And I've talked about this before, and I think this is true of Lorehold, just like it is for Boros. I think the Fetchland, Savine's Reclamation, mm-hmm. uh, brought back uh, Crucible of Worlds combo is really, really powerful in these decks. And so you might just have a lot of Fetchland and Landfall triggers happening, just incidentally for value yeah, in a deck I like agree. this. In which case, now um, it becomes so much... Mo- you know, Tago might be able to make two artifacts per turn as a landfall trigger, which is very powerful. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's talk about getting more triggers for Alibu. You know, it's great if you attack and you have six tapped artifacts and you deal six damage, but would you like to do that more than once? I would, yes. Yeah, so let's talk about Seize the Day because more combat steps will mean Alibu triggers more often. Uh, seize the Day is three in a red, untapped target creature. After this main phase, there is an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. So this is a way to just attack again with another creature. And get the Alibu trigger. Again, Alibu only triggers when one or more artifact creatures you control attack. You don't need to attack with everything. Uh, also, Seize the Day has Flashback for Tuna Red. So this is a way to maybe get three Alibu triggers in a turn. That's likely to kill somebody. Relent-
2: yeah, seriously. That's crazy.
1: Relentless Assault is a sorcery that does a similar thing. Morag, Fury of Akum. The same sort of idea behind Tago. Could work with Morag uh, because it has a landfall trigger when a land enters the battlefield under your control. If it's your main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. So this is a way that you can get multiple combats, multiple Alibu triggers. Aurelia, the war leader, another way.
2: The untapping, so seize the day, keeps everything tapped. So that could be good because you might want it all tapped. These, some of the other ones untap everything and that could be good in its own way too. You could just tap them all for gear up or ether grid again or, or something along those lines. So all of these combat steps seem really good. You can also double up the trigger. Yep. You know, we talked about lithiform engine, stuff like Stryonic that, just like, yeah, strionic resonator. That, those things are good too.
1: Yeah, those are really good ways to go. And then let's talk about augmenting Alibu. So it is easy to miss, but Alabu is the one dealing the damage off its trigger. So if you were to give Alibu, let's say, let's, Infect. Let's just say it. Infect, then you'd only have to do you'd only have to have ten tapped artifacts for Alibu to be lethal immediately, right? Easy. I don't think that's hard at all. Like you've got four mana rocks, a couple of mirror, some artifact lands. Like you're almost there right now. Grafted exoskeleton itself is an artifact. It's an equipment, doesn't care if it's tapped if you gear up your ether grid it. Like I don't think it's very hard to get Alibu up to ten damage.
2: I think it'd be very easy to just be like, okay, I tap you and boom, you're dead.
1: Yeah. Just kill people out of nowhere. Oh
2: my gosh. I think it'd be great.
1: I think, uh, it grafted might be one of the best cards in the deck. So maybe you want like steel shapers gift in the deck so you can find it. And then you're going to want like, you know, some Sword ofs and things like that just to give, steel shapers gift another target and those can be equipment are good because they are artifacts that tap for mana and also or, equipment, sorry equipment, that tap for th- for yeah. damage
2: equipment are really good too because you are going to be putting a bunch of dinky little fopters on the battlefield and little mirrors and going wide and so when you have an equipment that can be like oh, okay i just need to get stuff the equipment suddenly makes those things relevant
1: yeah and your stuff has haste too so even like four equipment sitting on the battlefield Halibut remember gives your Artifact creatures. Hey, so you oh, could even yeah. just play something suited up, swing right away. Giving Alibu life Lifelink could be good. So Shadow Spear can do that. Also, Alibu says any target doesn't have to go face. So giving Alibu Death Touch is really powerful. Uh, Basilisk Collar, Gorgon Flail will do that, and that means that doesn't matter how much damage you're dealing, it can now kill any creature whenever you attack with one Feels of your. Feels
2: kind of like a grim grin, just yeah. like, and attack, kill you. Attack, kill that thing. Kill that thing." Very cool. Very cool.
1: That's Alibu. I think this is. It, it says attacking on it, but it it isn't super attack focused.
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. Because I think that if it if you make it attack focused, it's not going to work as well than if you make it, uh, tap your stuff, have mana rocks, uh, focus in that way.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the mono white commander from the lower hold deck.
2: All right. This is Loshiel. Lo Loshiel. Loshiel clockwork scholar two and a white for a two four legendary creature elephant artificer love the elephants prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to attacking artifact creatures you control and whenever one or more artifact creatures enter the battlefield under your control draw a card this ability triggers only once each turn
1: a mono white card that says draw a card on it I mean, SRAM kind of does in a similar fashion, but this is cool. Artifact Creature Tribal. Draw cards for value. Also has an additional, like, you can attack with impunity clause on it. Yeah. Um, So the important thing to note about Low Shield, I think, is it says, whenever one or more artifact creatures enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card, but this ability triggers only once each turn. But it does say each turn, not on each of your turns. So I think the number one most important thing to do when designing the deck is make sure that you're able to put artifact creatures into play at instant speed so you're able to take advantage and get extra card draw. You can do it on your turn, do it on DJ's turn, do it on Mel's turn, do it on Megan's turn, then it comes back to you. You've drawn four cards. I mean, obviously, that's actually a lot. Even getting two would be great, though.
2: Yeah, getting two would be amazing, you know? And this comes down early enough that I really feel like you can play this and then immediately recoup your card.
1: Okay, so let's talk about maximizing the card draw, uh, putting artifact creatures into play at instant speed. There are instant and sorcery ways to do it. Master's Call is two and a white for an instant. You put two, one, one, mere artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield. So that will be an artifact creature entering the battlefield. You get to draw. Uh, Master Trinketeer, I always want to say Tinkerer, but it's Trinketeer. Two and a white for a three, two. Dwarf Artificer, it says Servos and Thopters, you control, get plus one, plus one. But it has an activated ability three and a white. You create a 1-1 one, one Servo Artifact Creature Token.
2: That's a lot. But when you s- tack on draw card to that, I'm all in.
1: Yeah. I think that's becomes pretty good. And in a pinch, too. Like, you don't necessarily need this to be the main way you're doing it. If you've got cheaper, more efficient ways, you can do it. But once you get down to the point where, like, I need cards, I have this car- card with an ability, like, it'll get you out of a pinch. Yeah. Uh, Mere Turbine's pretty interesting. Five mana for an artifact. You can tap it and put a 1-1 one, one Colorless Mere Artifact Creature Token on the battlefield. So this is just, once it's out... Free extra card per rotation. And it's making you a 2-2. It's not like, make, or sorry, a 1-1. It's not like making you something that is completely useless. You can also tap five, untap mirror you control and search your library for a mirror creature card and put that onto the battlefield.
2: Whoa. That might happen sometimes. It might actually happen. The, the Unlikely, but maybe. The mirrors that you're getting are not like super over the top. Like every cool artifact you're thinking of, it's not a mirror. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, there's Pentavis. Seven mana for a zero zero, but it enters with five one one counters on it, and then you can pay one mana to remove a counter from Pentavis and create a one one Pentavite artifact creature token with flying, and you can also pay one and sacrifice a Pentavite to put a one one counter back on Pentavis.
2: You just like move it back and forth, and you're like draw card, draw card, draw card, draw card. So
1: this becomes two mana draw card, but technically one mana draw card also, because uh, you don't have to put the counters back on Pentavis. You could just be like, you know, for the first three, just one mana draw card, and then okay, I'll put one back on to.
2: Do you know what would drive me crazy in this deck is that we have servos, mirrors, pentavites, Thopters, your token like, boxes. All like of this these all. different tokens. And there are there are different things in here that gets only pump MERS or only pump servos or something like that. It's it is a little bit crazy when it comes to the tokens.
1: Uh, also retrofitter foundry, one mana for an artifact. It creates a servo that turns into a thopter that can turn into a four four just take my take my word for it I don't <laughs> want to read the whole card but it, it can create artifact creatures at instant speed instant which speed. is pretty cool yeah uh, shimmer Mirror is a good card in this deck because it's a three mana two two with flash so I can flash it in on other players turns draw that extra card and also it says you may cast artifact spells as though they had flash so this becomes a way to flash in creatures on other players turns
2: speaking of flash Josh what's your favorite card but also an
1: artifact that could go in this deck <laughs> I really like this next one it's a drazi displacer two and a white for a three three with devoid um but it has an activated ability you pay two and a colorless and you exile another target creature and then return that uh creature to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control so this is a way for a, a creature to enter the battlefield even though it's the same creature it went away to exile came back the game sort of sees that as a new creature entering and you can do this on your opponent's turns to draw the cards
2: I like Eldrazi Displacer, too, because sometimes there's like a big uh, Eldrazi coming at you and you're like, okay, I'm going to flicker that out and it's going to come back tapped. Yeah. Or they go after your commander and you're like, flicker it out and come tapped. You're going to realize that it has a ton more utility than you think.
1: Also, you know, you're you're a deck with creatures in it. They're going to be entered the battlefield effects and such. And that's a way, like, imagine that card you're blinking is Solemn Simulacrum and now you're drawing extra cards and ramping when you do it, right? It's crazy. Yeah. All right, let's talk about ways to take advantage of the fact of that top line of text with low because I think it's easy to sort of talk about the card draw and maximize that and I think that is what you want to do but it says prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to attacking artifact creatures you control. So how do you take advantage of the fact that you can attack with impunity? It's actually kind of hard to figure out ways to like leverage that to your advantage. I mean, you can come up with scenarios where like, well, I got 10 and they got 3 two twos, and normally I wouldn't want to swing because they'll just block
2: and kill but, you know, I can attack all out and, you know, Get some damage through. Yeah. But that doesn't feel like a really great... It feels fine. But it's know? not like a
1: huge advantage. So yeah, I think exactly. you can put some cards in that really take advantage of this more. Inquisitor's, fails, uh, Inquisitors Flail, not fail. Inquisitor's Flail is two mana for an artifact equipment. If equipped creature would deal combat damage, it deals double that damage instead. So it effectively gives it double strike. It's two mana play, two to equip, which is very cheap for that effect. So what's the mm-hmm. downside? It says, if another creature would deal combat damage to equipped creature, it deals double, double that damage to the equipped creature instead. Interesting. And because Low Shield doesn't ca- says, well, you're not taking any damage, it doesn't care about that second part, so it's not a downside. I think like Explorer's Scope, which is a card I do not generally like because it doesn't help you punch through more damage in combat, becomes decent in this deck because it's one mana for an... Uh, equipment that has one to equip, and when equip creature attacks, you can look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped. This is a way to sort of help you with a little bit of ramp. You figure like around 40% of the time you're going to get a land. Again, Normally wouldn't love it, but because you can just sort of attack with a Thopter and you don't care if they block or not because it can't take damage.
2: Yeah, I would totally stick that on any creature.
1: Crashing Drawbridge I put here to give all your creatures haste. This is a card I don't know about you, DJ, but I'm just playing it kind of more and more.
2: I have it in a lot of different decks, especially ones that don't that want haste and don't have it. It's just like, okay, haste, you know? yeah. A lot of times I was playing Lightning Greaves just for the haste in many situations. Like I was just moving it around to give it haste to different things. And now I'm like, oh, this can... Give everything haste on my big turn? Sure.
1: Yeah. So it's two mana for an O4, but you can tap it. Creatures you control, gain haste until end of turn. And then I thought Throne of the God Pharaoh was kind of interesting.
2: That is a way to make sure that your creatures that might not be able to punch through, but can still attack with impunity, can deal that damage.
1: Right. It's two mana for a legendary artifact. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses life equal to the number of tapped creatures you control. Again, this is a way that you're just like, well, I don't care. I'll swing with everything they can't take damage and now they deal extra damage with throwing the God at the end of turn.
2: By the way, also good with Alibu too.
1: Just, yeah, it could be. I think Alibu might not have a ton of attacking creatures though.
2: Yeah, but they're tapped.
1: Right, right. But it's only counts the creatures. So like if a lot of things are mana rocks and things like that, yeah, it might still be good. I don't know. Uh, You put down a bunch of colorless artifact tribal cards that I haven't seen a lot. So this is kind of cool. Tempered steel, forsaken monument. These are Anthem effects that affect either artifact or colorless creatures. Forsaken Monument also says whenever you tap a permanent for colorless mana, you add an additional colorless, and whenever you cast a colorless spell, you gain two life. Uh, Also, Eldrazi Monument gives creatures you control plus one, plus one flying and indestructible. At the downside is you have to sack a creature at the beginning uh, of your upkeep, but you're making a lot of tokens.
2: Yeah, hopefully you're making a token like on your turn, on your turn, on your turn, on your turn. And a lot of times these tokens that you make are so small they're irrelevant. And so if you can make them relevant, then suddenly your attacks become a lot better. Because attacking with impunity, if you have 1-1, great, your 1-1 doesn't die, but like, it's still a 1-1.
1: Yeah. you know like, What's it going to do to me? Like, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But if they're 3-3s, three it's a lot different. Exactly. I like that. Uh, so, Yeah, you put down that you think this probably will feel more like an artifact deck than a mono white deck, and I totally agree. (laughs) I
2: think so. I I think that it's going to feel like an artifact deck, and you can have some cool white cards in it. And actually, that's totally fine. Artifact decks are fun. You get to play way more uh, weird utility lands, but also you get to have a little bit of that, you know, white flavor, a different kind of commander in there. I like it.
1: Uh, you said you would love to get this onto the battlefield at the same time somehow as Fairy Artisans. I didn't even realize that Fairy Artisans makes an artifact token. But I just like
2: drawing cards, and it's just like, what are you going to do? Not play creatures? It's just like new artifact, draw a card, new artifact, draw a card on Great. each other turn. Yeah. Fairy
1: Artisans is an underrated card. Also. I know. I just
2: like. I just think I just like Fairy Artisans too. I mentioned it before in another yeah. another one of these episodes. It is a
1: cool card. Uh, all right, we've got one more commander from Lorehold here. It is Lelia. <laughs> you got me on my knees, Lelia. It's Lelia. L A E L I A. The Blade Reforged. 2 and a red for a 2/2 with haste to Spirit Warrior. When Lelia attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. Impulsive draw on attack has haste, that's cool. Whenever you exile one or more cards from your library and or graveyard, Put a 1-1 counter on Lelia. So play pattern here, three mana. Comes into play, has haste. I attack with it. That exiles the top card of my library, which I can play until end of turn, but that's exiling a card from my library. So Lelia is kind of a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. Because on the first turn you play her, she's... Probably almost always going to swing and then get that one one counter.
2: That's a that's aggressive. I honestly I like this card and I might like it more because I I'm I like cube and this is mm. an amazing attacking creature. Oh, honestly, yeah.
1: because the next turn it's a four four and it's what now are you it's do? really drawing it's a you cards. Four four
2: and then a five five and it's and it's actually drawing you cards and it says play. So you hit a land, you're like okay, play. That's my land for turn, Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, seems good and it's, and a good. Uh, aggressive commander that hopefully will stay relevant as the game progresses as far as a relevant attacker.
2: I think that like my initial thing was like oh it's not really commander blah 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 it's too small it's too relevant but then I realized how many different effects in red exile There's a ton. And and how big this can get and how much you can almost always just draw a card. I mean, what would you do with your command zone if you have this aggressive creature? You always draw a card and it just gets huge and starts threatening people. It starts becoming more and more enticing with every exile effect I examined.
1: Now remember, Layla says, whenever you exile one or more cards from your library and or graveyard. So it doesn't care the amount of cards you're exiling. It cares about the number of instances of exiling. So you're not looking for something that exiles 20 cards all at once. You really want something, stuff that exiles a small amount of cards over and over. Underworld Breach is just a gimme in this deck because it's an enchantment and it says, each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to this card's mana cost plus exile three other cards from your graveyard. Um in the beginning of your step, you sack Underworld Breach. So this just means you can replay cards out of your graveyard at the cost of their mana plus exiling cards out of your graveyard, which you wanna do because Layla will get very, very big.
2: Exile three cards, play something relevant, and it gets a plus one plus encounter. Do that again, play something relevant, gets a plus one plus one counter.
1: Yeah. Uh, this also works with impulsive draw, which is what Layla is anything that says exile cards from your library. And then you may play that card until your next turn or till end of turn or whatever. So Valakut exploration is a really good uh, version of this. That does it when you landfall Jessica's will is a card that we've talked about and shown on the show incessantly. Cause it's so, so good that, uh, exiles three cards from the top of your library. It gives you a bunch of mana, uh, if your commander's out, which why would you play it if Layla is not out? (laughs) Um, Outpost Siege is a good one. It has two modes. It's three and a red for an enchantment, but one of the modes is at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library until end of turn. You may play that card. That just means every single turn outpost Siege is out. Layla's getting a plus one, plus one counter. Plus it's a card advantage. Basically draw a card uh, when you do it.
2: Do you know what I like about this a lot is that like, we're building a deck where we just, draw a kind of ton of cards and have access to a ton kind of cards. It's like what I want to do anyway. Right. It's like, okay, I'm building this deck. Uh exile, 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 exile. She gets big and like, ooh, look, I kind of drew three. I'm building this cool engine where I get to do a lot of stuff, but the whole time my commander's getting bigger and bigger and bigger.
1: Yeah, because one of the worries with drawing a lot of cards is like spinning your wheels. You're not accomplishing mm-hmm. much. But with Lele out, you are because she's getting bigger. Furious Rise this is kind of like an outpost, so you just two in red for enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, if you control a creature with four, power four or greater, exile the top card of your library. You may Play that card until you exile another card with Furious Rise. I almost said until end of turn because that's. But anyway, so you can only have one card at a time exiled with Furious Rise. But because Lelia comes out is a 3 3, she's almost always going to be at least four power for Furious Rise unless you play it the exact same turn you played Lelia, which will be hard to do. They're both three drops. Mm -hmm. Okay, where was I here? Other ways to
2: get cards out of your graveyard. Delve is one. Uh, There's only one red Delve card though. Delve is literally
1: one. (laughs) Magmatic Sinkhole is a red Delve card. It Deals damage to a creature, a planeswalker five damage.
2: Yeah. Modern Horizons was like, let's give Delve to Red one, one. of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh Graveyard Hate will do it. So exiling cards from your graveyard, and there are many ways to sort of just do one card at a time, mm-hmm. which is very efficient with Lelia. Because you really, like I said, exiling your whole graveyard doesn't give her many more counters than exiling one card. So Relic of Progenitus, Scrabbling Claws, there are a, f- a bunch of other ones that might allow you to sort of eat away at your graveyard in order to make her bigger. And I don't think you actually want to do that a ton because you might play around in your graveyard a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, cascade actually exiles cards from the top of your library so a lot of people were talking about throws of chaos which is just a three and a red card with cascade and it has retrace so it doesn't do anything else it just cascades cascades. so i don't know how much better this card gets if it's just giving a one one counter to Lelia. um i know you can recast because of retrace but I, i still don't think it's probably good enough but it's interesting
2: it is definitely interesting. One thing about um, retrace that's good, though, is that a lot of times you're going to want to play your lands that are exiled. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, oh, this got exiled Delalia. Uh, I'll keep the land in hand and I'll play that, you know? So a lot of times you might be holding on to extra lands and so retrace point. could be good, but red is the color of looting and rummaging too. So it's like... You might not need to You do might that. not need to do that anyway. So.
1: Uh, Uba Mask is an interesting one. Four mana for an <laughs> artifact. If a player would draw a card that player... Sorry, I'm going to read the Oracle checks. If a player would draw a card, that player exiles that card face-up instead. And then each player may play lands, cast, and cast spells from among the the, the cards they exiled with Uba Mass this turn. So... This means every time on your draw step, you're exiling a card from your library and Layla's going to get bigger.
2: Yeah. One thing that's cool about that too, is that your opponents are going to be able to see exactly what's going on because you're exiling cards like exile, 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 exile. It's kind of all laid out there, which you can do that turn. But with Uba mask, you're like, ha, huh, I can see all of I your draws you're going to do
1: too. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't
2: like that effect. <laughs> I don't love it. <laughs> you don't myself. like telepathy effects at all.
1: No, because it makes the game take forever because I have too much ca- calculation to do. Like,
2: what do you got? What do I have to calculation, remember Calculation turn sideways. Yeah. <laughs> So the next
1: card is a card I feel like we've talked about more in the last like four weeks than we ever talked about. I, I, we might have mentioned this on the show once in four years and then four times in the last month. Phyrexian Devourer, six mana for a 1-1. When its power is seven or greater, you sacrifice it. But it says remove the top card of your library from the game. Sorry. Exile the top card of your library. And then put x 11 counters on Phyrexian Devourer where X is the exiled card's counter. Uh, Mana value or CMC. The way the seven or power thing works is that's a trigger. So as soon as power is seven or greater, that trigger to sacrifice it goes on the stack. In response to that trigger, you can keep exiling cards to its ability. And every time you do this, Layla gets a plus one plus one counter.
2: Yeah, because it's not just like, oh, I'm exiling a bunch. You're exiling one, one at, at a time. time. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you can play for of Devour, attack with Laylia, and just be like, if you don't block, I just exile, you know, what? Yeah, 17 21. cards yeah. and kill you. And so they're like, crap anything I block with I'll just exile the number of cards I need in order to kill that thing uh you know and if they don't have any blockers they're just dead right great yeah uh it's only gonna work once though because fraction devour will definitely be be above seven power and you have to sack her after that
2: oh but then she'll be big and you can attack someone else next turn that's a good point yeah
1: um and then there's also ways to sort of knock out people from nowhere and this is something that red excels at and this is gonna be really scary I think about this deck I think there's a lot of scenarios where you actually can kill people on like turn four or five with Lelia
2: yeah I I do think so with
1: like a little bit of more impulsive draw and things like that so team or battle rage is one and a red for an instant but it has ferocious uh, sorry target creature gains double strike until end of turn but it has ferocious that gives trample if their powers forward or greater so this is a way just Layla's like you know what do you need You know, if you hit him on that first turn for three, then you just need nine power to get to 18, and that's 21.
2: I mean, yeah, that's so so easy to do. Unleash Fury,
1: double target uh, the power of target creature until end of turn. Again, these are instants, too, so you can just wait, and they're like, ah, I'll just take the nine. Okay, you're dead. Fling is another way to take advantage. You know, sack it, deal damage equal to its power. Uh, Fork and Fury Storm seem like they'll be really good with Layla. And some of these effects, because you can either draw more cards or unleash Fury, fork it, Fury Storm it, double her power like five times, whatever. Uh, Stuff like that, I think, is going to be par for the course with Lelia because she is going to want to, like... Listen, it's one thing if she's got 19 counters on it, and everybody can see it, and that's going to be pretty easy to deal with. Yeah. But if she's at five power, you're not worried about dying, and then they go, but if she attacks you, and they have six mana available to them, and she's, a you know, turns into a five-five, you have to seriously be like, okay, if they team her battle rage, or let's say they unleash fury or whatever, am I dead? Is it possible I die here? And the calculation's going to come up a lot, like, yeah, I guess so, mm-hmm. so I have to block this thing. So just be aware of that, I think.
2: Yeah, I think that she's definitely going to have, I mean, you're going to play it a couple of times, you're definitely going to kill someone and then you're going to have a target on your back because they're going to realize how explosive your deck is. And that's where you might want to pivot with things like deflecting SWAT or other ways to protect your commander or... Just like have other good cards because you're drawing so many cards. They're focused on Alila and you're just playing a normal red game plan.
1: Yeah, you're like, well, I'm getting card advantage and I'll be fine. Yeah, you're fine. (laughs) And this thing has haste. So anytime they let their guard down, they're in danger of dying. Uh, Also, you could give Lelia a grafted exoskeleton, do the infect thing. That's another way. That's another way to do it. just got to make or we got to keep making craig proud by mentioning grafted exoskeleton as many times as possible uh you had an interesting note here that that you like the trend of sort of playing with the exile space
2: yeah i really do um I thought that impulsive draw was was fine and it was interesting. And I was like, okay, great. You know, red has a little bit of card draw, but in commander, it's, it's not as good. It's much better to have your cards like in hand, especially when you have any sort of reactive deck, you know? And those are right. sometimes the best commander decks is where you can hold on the stuff and interact with your opponents on their turn and stuff like that. Right. And impulsive draw doesn't give you that option. So you're like, oh, I don't know. I have to commit stuff to the board. But now when your exile can give you added benefit, Then suddenly you're like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I leave this card in exile, you know, my Chandra Torch of Defiance will just deal two damage. You know, this will grow a little bit bigger, you know. Um, Bell Borka will, you know, can leave it in exile and it can get bigger. And so like you have all of these things that kind of reward uh, a little bits of advantage for leaving things in exile or or not using that card impulsively. And I like that a lot, you know. And I think that they do need to push it a little bit more to have it really be something relevant for Commander, but it's, it's getting there and I like that.
1: Yeah, it's a very cool design space. So kudos, good on you, Wizards of the Coast. All right, we've still got the Witherbloom deck to go. Four more Commanders, and then Strixhaven will be at an end. I know you're all as sad as we are about that. But before we get into it, we got to take a quick break, hear a message from our sponsors.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home,
1: All right, we are back. We are talking about the new C21 stuff. We've got four commanders to go, the Witherbloom precon. Let's start with
2: Willow Dusk as sincere. It is one black green for three three legendary dryad, dryad dryad druid?
1: I almost said dryad dryad.
2: Dryad druid? I didn't I don't think I read this properly before. I was like dry dry dr-. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Dryad One in tap, choose another target creature. It put a number of plus one plus one counters on it equal to the amount of life you gain this turn or the amount of life you lost this turn, whichever is greater. Activate only as a sorcery.
1: So, so either yeah. you've gained a lot of life or you've lost a lot of life, in which case Willow Dusk will put a bunch of plus one, plus one counters onto a creature at sorcery speed.
2: At sorcery speed, and it's a tap ability, so it it's definitely definitely pretty limited. You can't have this cool combat phase where you're like, aha, you didn't block this, take all of it. You know? Right, um, it's not threat of activation. Yeah, but you're in black, you have a ton of ways to lose huge chunks of life. I mean-
1: Yeah, I think uh, life loss is gonna be a little bit easier than life gain in this deck. But I think you're gonna be able to sort of do both and then have your pick. So the first category is called life loss is your gain.
2: I actually like the to compare this to hatred because it's kind of like you're building your own hatred on this card. So hatred is three black black for an instant, pay X life target creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn. I've killed a lot of people with hatred.
1: Well, and with Willow Dusk, remember, Hatred's an instant, but you don't have to cast it at an instant speed. So you can do that on your main phase, pay 10, like if there's, if somebody's just open, let's say you played a two drop, played willow dusk, maybe you ramped on turn one somehow or whatever. And the next turn, you look around and somebody just doesn't have a creature. If you have Hatred in hand, you can probably kill them because you're just like, pay 20 life. Yeah. That's 20 life into Hatred, so something's going to get plus 20 power. And then you go, I pay 20 life, tap Willow Dusk, and I'm going to put 21-1 counters on that thing, and I'm going to hit you for 40. <laughs>
2: You're just dead. You're just, just dead out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so that's a doable thing. And like you said, Hatred just does feel like what a lot of these cards kind of do. So black is full of cards that let you pay life. And some, a lot of cards that just are like, pay
2: however many life you want. Yeah, like necropotence. Oh, boy. You know, pay life, draw cards. Yeah. Like, you want to do that anyways. And a lot of times, you want to do that in big chunks. That's if you're
1: actually, Jimmy, you just want to do, like, 30 all at once until the, you're, like, two, like... 30 is life. crazy. Jimmy is, like... Hey, but maybe, but if you tap Willow say,
2: dusk right after you do that, you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh,
1: wall of blood is another one that just kind of gets bigger as you pay life into it.
2: I love how wall of blood is supposed to be this thing that you don't attack. It's like, oh, it's fair. It's got defender, but people just use it to pay life. Great. Grevin too. Just so great. I love it. Uh, uh, Ad nauseum is an oh, interesting yeah. one. Instant speed reveal the top card of your library and put that card in your hand. You lose life equal to, to its converted mana cost. And you can repeat this process any number of times.
1: Usually ad nauseum decks have very low, low CMC and they use it almost as a, they use it as a combo gatherer. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I know I'm going to go 30 cards deep and hopefully find like two pieces to my combo or my entire combo. But this is the thing where in Willow Dusk, you could sort of do that and just go until you're like, oh, I've lost 20 life or whatever I need to, to be able to knock somebody out or, you know, put a bunch of counters on something.
2: Yeah, um, Unspeakable Symbol. This pay, pay three life to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. We can see that Willow Dusk has a little bit of a higher rate than that, but yep. still paying a bunch of life, put a plus one, plus one counter on thing, tap it, put even more plus one, plus one counters on something. You can make your creatures really relevant out of, out of nowhere.
1: I mean, what I like about everything we mentioned so far is that the paying of the life part of it is all free. There's no mana involved with that. So once you play those cards, you're just like, I get to choose the amount of life I want to lose, and so I can calculate exactly how much I want Willowdust to put onto something.
2: Well, now we're moving into one that actually costs mana to to pay. Uh, it's let's see if you like this one. It's Villas. Still like it. Broker of Blood. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Five black, black, black for an eight-eight flying demon. Black, pay two life. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Whenever you lose life, draw that many cards. Oh, this synergizes with yeah. everything. With yeah. everything in this deck, you lose life and suddenly you're drawing even more cards. Suddenly the your hatred is drawing you a card. Your unspeakable what? symbol is drawing you cards. It's... Like, just draw, 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 draw it. It's crazy. And it
1: has everything you need on it if those other things aren't going on, right? It has the ability to pay the life and do something, remove creatures, draw the cards. You know, you don't need anything else with Willowdusk. And it's also a huge creature that Willowdusk could then give the counters to, which can swing out and kill your opponents.
2: I think that this next card fits perfectly. It's Crick, Curic. son of Yoggmoth. Yogmoth, Four, Phyrexian Black, Phyrexian Black, Phyrexian Black. For a 2-2 legendary... Horror minion. It has lifelink, and for each black in a cost, you may pay two life rather than pay that mana. Whenever you cast a black spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Kirk. Kirk. <laughs> I like Kirk. Okay. It's Kirk, like, though. <laughs> it's Sure, it is. It's Minache. <laughs> I've been told it's Kirk, but <laughs> I don't son of know.
1: <laughs> he's also not Yagmoth's son. It's weird. I know. Wait, Go. he's not
2: Yagmoth's son? We can't get into this. Yeah, we so don't I have time to it. get into it this. Is. But here's the thing. Uh, Just imagine you play stuff for free, really cheap. Like, you cheat on mana, uh, but at the cost of life. But then you stack the plus one, plus one counters on this. It gets bigger, too. And it has lifelink as well.
1: Well, and it synergizes so well because Phyrexian mana is paying life. Yeah. So that is counting towards your willow dust total, right? And then you're putting all the counters onto Kirick and swinging with that lifelink. And it also is allowing you to cast so much more stuff than you'd be able to, yeah.
2: Another card that I've been really impressed with in every deck is Command the Dreadhorde.
1: Oh, you know, yeah. Six mana,
2: and you just say like, all right, let's pick and choose the creatures and Planeswalkers, bring that back, bring that back, bring that back. And oftentimes you're taking... 15 18 damage and again you have a little bit more control over how much damage you take
1: you have almost full control over it yeah, yeah. and it, basically you can pick creatures in graveyards and then return them to the battlefield under your control and then you lose life equal to the converted mana cost or the mana value of all the creatures you chose it's kind of like a cheap rise of the dark realms uh, but it ends up being very very powerful because 18 mana worth of stuff for six mana is just crazy and then if you're in addition to that you're like also willow dusk is now going to tap and put 18 plus one plus one counters on something uh can become super nuts so yeah i really like that
2: so we've lost a lot of life in this section of the <laughs> <laughs> the that makes right some now. people scared. We've lost a lot of life, yeah. Because remember, you can also trigger this by gaining life.
1: Yeah. You know? So the next chapter is called "Life Gain is also your gain."
2: Yeah. So uh classic gray merchant of Asphodel. You know, you can drain the table for your devotion, and oftentimes because you're draining each opponent, you're gaining a ton of life. I mean,
1: even with just Dusk, Gray Merchant, that's drain everybody for three, you gain nine. Then tap dusk and put nine counters on it. Like that's oh, pretty good, and that's it's the great. most modest. Grey Merchant that will ever be casting ever. Absolutely. Usually it just wins the game, actually.
2: We have little things like Essence Warden can give you some reliable life gain. Uh, Erebos' Intervention, that's removal or some life gain going on there. It's a pretty flexible removal spell. You have Weather the Storm,
1: whether the storm is a storm card a, that gains three life.
2: It's a storm card. Yeah. You. That's I, crazy. It sounds a
1: little bit nuts, but I think if you could just cast two spells and whether the storm is going to gain you nine life, if you had one in a green gain nine, put nine one, one counters on something, you would play that card. Actually,
2: and not, yeah, you would.
1: Yeah. And so that's why it becomes, I think, good enough because it is so cheap to gain you some life.
2: Do you know what I really like is Disciple of Bolas and yeah. Momentous Fall. Both of these will have you sacrifice a creature and draw cards and gain life. Yeah. And so that's really big because you're also making your creatures huge. So you're making a creature huge. And once it's huge, what are you going to do with it? Yes, you can attack with it, but I would rather sacrifice it for cards and more life to make the next creature huge.
1: Yeah, that's cool. If you gain nine life, made something into like an 11, 11, then momentous fall it, draw all those cards, gain all that life. Now make the next things super huge. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's great. And then of course, lifelink, you know, Yep. We can have lifelink and you have big creatures. So if you can give your big creatures lifelink, that's really important. We mentioned a lot of things that give lifelink. I think one of the best ones is uh, Vito, Thorn of the Black Rose, of the Dusk Rose. Of
1: the Dusk Rose, yeah. So it not only gives your creatures life links, but also has that clause whenever you gain life, your opponents lose.
2: Mm -hmm. Is it that much life on Vito? Oh, yes. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. Oh,
1: target opponent loses that much life. Yeah, they template these slightly differently every time. So it's really, really good because for five mana, you have all your creatures lifelink, swing, do that thing. They lose a ton of life. And then... Either before combat or after combat, just depending on how things are going, you can use Willow Dust to either bump up the amount of life gain and, and damage you're dealing or to take advantage of all the life gain you just had.
2: I have a feeling that you're going to be gaining life or losing life and you're going to be stacking up these counters on a ton of different random creatures and just activating this ability to give everyone life link is going to be just gigantic. Yeah. You know, it's going to be this huge swingy effect.
1: Uh, and then th- there's also counters, so you want to keep your counters. You might want some counter synergy. So there's stuff like Rehan, last of the Abzan, which allows you to keep counters uh, when creatures die. There's also the Ozolith, another way to sort of keep your counters and move them around when creatures die. And this is just a way that when, you know, you activate Willow Dusk and put nine counters on something, if you stack it to Memento Fall or something else, you can still use those counters for your other stuff. I was surprised uh, when looking at Willow Dusk about how much combo potential there was, and there is quite a lot, I think. And I think this deck is actually, if built correctly, could be quite powerful. It's always going to be a little slow because you do have to tap Willow Dusk, mm-hmm. but here's the combo and sort of how it can work with will There's a sort of a three-step plan. And the first step is you need a creature that will create mana based on its one, one counters. And there are a ton. Uh, there's Marwin, the Nurturer, there's crystalline crawler, there's Viridian joiner, gyre sage, crystalline crawler, just straight up, take counters off to make mana. Any of those, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a few other ones as well. Um, devoted druid is interesting, right? Because it, it, you can put a negative one counter on it to untap it. So if you put 20 plus one counters on it, you basically say, well, I can untap this 20 times. Because, right, every time you're, remo- you're putting a negative one counter on you it- You
2: are removing a plus one, plus one counter, yes.
1: Yeah. So this is a way to turn Willow Dust's power, or sorry, Willow Dust's ability into mana.
2: And a lot of mana, because we can see how much, how many counters we could theoretically put on something.
1: So the next step of the combo is you wanna repeatedly untap the creature that creates the mana, or possibly Willow Dusk. So you've got things like Staff of Domination, Umbral Mantle, which has is an equipment that has the untap ability on it, instill energy, Thousand Year Elixir, Mage Rite Stone, Seeker of Sp- Skybreak is a creature that can untap another creature. And I don't think you have to go infinite, although infinite obviously would, would be able to do a lot. But I think even just untapping something two or three times, because imagine you put 20 counters on a devoted druid. Well, that won't work as well, actually. Let's say you put 20 counters on a gyre sage. It's now tapping for 20 mana. If you can untap that twice, that's 60 mana. That's
2: so much mana, yeah. yeah. Like,
1: you can almost always win if you just create uh, an amount of mana like that. Also, with Staff of Domination or Umbral Mantle, it just goes infinite.
2: Yeah, for, for those effects, a lot of times you need four You know, five sometimes work with some of the other ones, the the ones that are more clunky. And remember, we were talking about like tons of counters on these things. You know what I mean? Nine, 10 counters easy. Marwyn, the nurturer, like taps for its power and it's a one, one already. You just need to put three plus one, plus one counters on there for it to suddenly start activating all of this combo potential. And you're going to be able to get tons more counters on it. So if you do it fairly, where you're just untapping something a couple of times, you're going to generate a ton of mana. If you're doing it unfairly, like, you need such a little amount of life gain or life loss to have this actually start opening up combo potential.
1: And all this untapped stuff is still good with Willow Dusk, right? Because you can just tap or put four on counters on something, untap her, do it again, now you've put eight, and it's still, like, a good thing to be doing. And then the last part of the process, once you've made a lot of mana, is the easy part, right? It's easy to profit from having a lot of mana. So you can Exsanguinate, it, you can Torment of Hailfire, you can Essence Harvest, flux Reservoir, just gain a ton of life... Cast a million things, kill them with the Reservoir. Walking Belissa, Triskelion. It's easy to have, you know, seven, eight, nine cards in the deck that just say, okay, if I ever create infinite or you know it doesn't have to be infinite just a lot 150 mana mm-hmm. i can immediately win the game with one of these cards
2: a lot of these too like exsanguinate too you exsanguinate for just like a value exsanguinate you gain all that life and suddenly you have a way to unlock some of these big uh plus one plus one counter synergies
1: yeah it doesn't just have to be a game ender it's actually a fine decent value play in the mid game it's yeah. just i gained a lot of life and willow dusk is going to dump 20 counters on his Yeah, same
2: thing with like uh the aetherflux reservoir something like that just like you can you can use these as ways to get there along with finishers which is really good for a finish-
1: yeah so willow dusk i think actually quite impressive as far as like i think it can be built quite powerfully Mm -hmm. but i like that it has the tap ability as like an additional hurdle you have to jump through so it's not going to be like cedh combo level yeah all right let's talk about the next witherbloom commander it is guillaume 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 i think it's guillaume guillaume master chef two black green four mana for a five three troll warlock with trample At the beginning of your end step, create a number of food tokens equal to the number of non-token creatures you had enter the battlefield under your control this turn. So for every non-token creature you have entered the battlefield during your turn, on your end step you get that many food. Mm. And you can pay one sack of food and and target creature gains indestructible until end of turn and tap it
2: so I actually like this a lot because I like the ability to play creatures and not have them die to give them indestructible, you know? So just on face value of this flavorful little chef guy that says, yeah, that says, he's going to flavor town. Hey, if you come to my kitchen, you're going to get some food. You know, everyone that comes, you get a meal. I like that. And then, you know, you eat the food, you get to stick around, but you know, you're full. So you're tapped.
1: I do like, and you wrote down, you can tap down your opponent's blockers with this <laughs> thing because it says target creature. So you can distract your opponent's creatures with food.
2: You just be like, have a food. And yeah. it's like, just like, yum. And then it it's like, I happen.
1: have to eat that thing. It's like the old thing. We got to sneak past the dog <laughs> and you throw a steak, you know, in the cartoons. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So
2: is there like a food tribal deck? Like, is it, that's the question it I think is is, it, is there a food tribal deck and
1: is this a food tribal deck? The first thing we're going to write down has nothing to do with food here. It's the the um, category is creatures that want to be tapped.
2: Yeah, so we got like uh, inspired creatures like King Makar or Painseer. I like King Makar. It's two black black for a 2-3 legendary human with inspired. Whenever King Makar, the gold curse becomes untapped, you may exile target creature. If you do put a colorless artifact token named gold onto the battlefield, it has sacrifice artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So you are killing and ramping stuff like pretty easily. Like normally you'd be like, how am I going to tap this creature? Do I right. attack with it? It's only a two, three, and it's so valuable. But now you're just like, here, eat some food, King. Yep. And then, <laughs> and then, and then you when untap you attack,
1: it, you exile something. You stuff.
2: exile something and you ramp yourself. Oh, my gosh. It's so uh, good.
1: Pain Sear is also a card with Inspired that acts like a dark confident.
2: Yeah. Untap, draw card, lose some life. Good stuff.
1: Uh, okay. Then let's talk about food, though. Uh, I named the next chapter. Feed your inner foodie. All right. Feed your foodie. Feed it.
2: You got Trail of Crumbs. One in green for an enchantment. When Trail of Crumbs enters the battlefield, create a food token. Whenever you sacrifice a food, you may pay one. If you do, look at the top two cards of your library. You may reveal a permanent card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order.
1: So it draws you a card. Uh,. Probably going to do that most of the time. You're going to have a lot of permanence in this deck. And it's whenever you sacrifice a food, you don't have to sacrifice the food to the food's ability.
2: Yeah. A lot of times when we were playing this in limited, you would have to pay two and then pay an extra one to hopefully draw a card. And sometimes it ended up being a land and you're like, but I have a feeling that permanent, right? Yeah, permanent, but like, yeah, you can, you just miss the spells, Yeah, Yeah, but you can get those creatures.
1: Um, Yeah, this, if you sacrifice the food to Guillaume's ability, it still counts as sacrificing a food. Exactly, so
2: So now it's just one to get that thing. But I actually think one of the bigger bigger ones that you're excited about would be Savvy Hunter. One, a black and a green for a 3-3 human warrior. Whenever Savvy Hunter attacks or blocks, create a food token, but it also has sacrifice two foods, draw a card.
1: That's really cool. I want to turn my foods into card draw. Uh, And then there's some token strategies with food. I think Second Harvest Parallel Lives will allow you to make double the amount of food tokens, which is really good with Savvy Hunter, draw more cards. Um, So I think food itself like a lot of the cards are underpowered and i don't think you're gonna have a ton of cards that deal with food tokens directly yeah, they
2: really are so i think that we have to pivot into just like well these are artifacts because yes. there are a bunch of cards that deal really strongly with artifacts and so if you
1: kind of we- look at guillaume as an artifact creator and say like okay what kind of cards take advantage of having a lot of artifacts on the battlefield mm. so let's talk about artifact synergies here marionette master is a classic one um We've seen Jimmy play it on Game Nights a few times. You want to read it?
2: I love it. It's four black black for a 1-3 human artificer. It has Fabricate 3, which means you can put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it to make it a 4-6, or you can have three little servos on the battlefield.
1: You want the servos. Because... Oh, wait, what,
2: what about if... Uh- well, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, We'll argue about it. It'll be great. Whenever oh, an yeah, artifact...
1: You, you might not want the servos. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah.
2: Whenever an artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, I got this mixed up. You're right. You do not want the servos a lot of times with Marionette Master because now whenever foods are entering... Uh you're sorry, whenever foods are leaving, you're sacrificing them. Mariner Master is going four, four, yeah, four, four. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Pretty cool. That's really great. Especially because it's gonna create food and Guillaume's gonna have a lot of food on the battlefield too, and you just and you don't have to pay two a lot of times. You can just use this ability to keep draining your opponents out. And uh, Marinette's Master's power can grow bigger with yeah. a lot of different things. It can be augmented.
1: Yeah, sure. if you make it like an eight-power thing, it, it's a lethal threat really quickly. Uh, cranial Plating is an uh, equipment that makes a creature bigger based on the number of artifacts you control. So that's artifact synergy right there. Inspiring Statuary, we already talked about with the Lorehold stuff. Allows you to tap your food now to help cast your spells. Uh, Herald of Anguish is a demon that has improvise on it. So you can use the food to help cast it. Get it
2: out early yeah. and then also use those artifacts. You mentioned reprocess. I like
1: reprocess a lot. If you're going to have a lot of artifacts in the deck.
2: Yeah. Two black box, sacrifice any number of artifacts, creatures, and or what lands. I guess you can sacrifice lands. Yes. That's crazy. Draw a card for each permanent sacrifice this way.
1: So if you have a lot of food, you can just cast reprocess, sack a bunch of the foods and draw cards equal to that number, which is really, really good.
2: If you want to throw in some recursion, like similar effects, Bantu, you know, can sacrifice stuff and have you drawing cards.
1: Um... And then we've got things like the KCI stuff that we already talked about again. Scrap Trawler, Mirror Retriever, Junk Diver, Glissa the Trader maybe goes in there, Trading Post. Um, These are all ways to kind of recycle your artifacts over and over. Again, some of these will be creatures entering the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times with Junk Diver, Mirror Retriever, Scrap Trawler loops, maybe they're not infinite, but you can figure out a way to like, I, I do this and it ends up in like five or six creatures entering the battlefield over the course of the turn, which can be really, really good. And then... How do you turn this into a win? A lot of people were talking about Disciple of the Vault, which says whenever an artifact uh, is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, then is it each opponent loses one life? No, target opponent. Target opponent loses one life. So it's kind of like Blood Artist, but for artifacts, this will work on your food and things like that. Uh, That's a way to get into a loop where you kill some people uh, or or make sacrificing your foods and stuff. You have uh, to have a lot of
2: artifacts to be able to do it, but you're going to have a lot of artifacts. Or Or you you
1: scrap Trawler, Mirror Retriever, KCI stuff. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then there's some combo t- potential with Gilm. There's not a ton. And a lot of it uses already known combos. So there's the Gravecrawler Phyrexian Altar combo. You need another zombie out, but it allows you to in- infinitely cast Gravecrawlers, which is infinite amount of creatures in the battlefield. And then you pass the turn and on end step, Gilm will make an infinite amount of food tokens. And then you'll need KCI or something else going on to take advantage of that. But some of these other cards, maybe you've got, you know, a savvy hunter and you just draw a ton of cards with that or whatever. You can turn that into a lot of advantage.
2: Yeah. We gotta feed all these grave crawlers, but we tricked him. It was the same one the whole time. So
1: we got all these extra foods. Uh, there's Nether Trader, which can be kind of similar. There's Cat Combo, Cauldron's Familiar, which is Oven. A lot of people who played Standard over the last couple of years know that. Again, these are the same type of things as the grave crawler thing.
2: Yeah. What locks this out of being like in- instant combo potential in many cases is that it triggers at your end step, so you do all the stuff and then you have to like wait to get all these artifacts. If it immediately gave you the artifact, then it would open up some more options for you, which is I actually like that it's a little yeah. bit fair it's not like you know you can make the food tribal deck it's not like oh you see Guillaume and you're like oh they're gonna combo me out instantly
1: uh, and, and most of these combos already exist and need another piece anyway like a blood artist or something else which you could have in the deck uh, so Guillaume cool I think we're gonna need another set or two that have food in it before it's gonna be really cool yeah I think so okay let's okay. go on to the mono black commander
2: all right we have Tivash um these names are driving gloom me. summoner Tivash gloom summoner Four and a black for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature human warlock with lifelink. At the beginning of your end step, if you gained life this turn, you may pay X life, where X is the amount of life you gained this turn. If you do, create an XX black demon creature token with flying.
1: All right, so it's a life gain, mono black life gain, but you use that life gain to make a big demon at the end of each turn, so you don't actually end up gaining that life uh, depending on how you do this. It's not a super complicated deck, I don't think, but there's... You put it down an interesting thing here, which is small boosts of life can still be good. Still, like, creating a 1-1 or a 2-2 Demon still feels like it's a good idea. Yeah.
2: So, like, when we looked at Willow Dusk and we were super excited about the ways to lose life because we could lose so much more life and leverage that more. Like, our life gain section was like, yeah, I guess there's some life gain in there, and a lot of it's in green. Yeah. And so when we're looking to gain a lot of life in black, there honestly isn't a lot of it, but actually I'm wondering, like you just having a tiny demon every turn, like if you just extort someone and you gain three life, you know, one from each opponent and you just make a three, three flying demon, that's good. You just attack with this creature and it has lifelink itself and you just gain four life and you make a four, four demon, that's, that's good. So a lot of cards that just can gain you tiny bits of life, even if it's like this weird little bitter blossom on your commander, you know. Uh,
1: and it's always going to be pretty good because most of the time, Tivash is going to be able to attack and, and add four to that number. Oh, for sure. So that, yeah, so Crypt Gas, Pond of Blight, those are have extort or give extort. That's a way for you to automatically, when you cast spells for one extra mana, you know, gain three life. Uh, also deal some damage to your opponents, so that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, Dread Presence. This is a mono black deck. If this is your commander, so Dread Presence means it triggers off of swamps, and you're gonna have a ton of swamps. You can deal two and gain two. Uh, you have Demon's Horn is a two man artifact. Whenever a player casts a black spell, you may gain one life. Yeah, you're gonna be playing some black spells in this mono black deck.
1: Uh, Ayara, first of Thwain. She's black, black, black for a two three. But whenever her or another. Black creature enters the battlefield. Each one loses one life, and you gain one life. So that's another way to just sort of all your creatures coming in. And demons are black creatures. It won't matter too much because you know they won't contribute to it because it's on the end step. But still, but draining
2: everyone is really important. But also, one thing that's good about um, this one is that it gives you a way to use those creatures too because it has a tap ability, and you can sacrifice a creature. To draw a card. Yep. And so, smaller creatures that you can skull clamp, that you can use, you can get rid of, uh, ends up being pretty good.
1: Okay, but also, like, it doesn't have to be small bits of life. It can be big bits of life are good, too. So, Grey Merchant, we already talked about, Mm -hmm. has the ability to gain, you know, we've all seen it gain 80 life in a turn. Obviously, the game's probably over if you did that, but sometimes it'll do, like, in the 20s, and making a 20-20 Demon seems pretty good. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, There's also Exsanguinate, which we've already talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, even if you just pump like seven mana into it, you're going to get like 15, make a 15, 15 demon.
2: Kakusho, when it dies, it drains each of your opponents for five and you gain that much life. You know, all of these cards that we affected, it drains our opponents and we gain that much life rather than a set amount of life. And so that's why the life gain on those cards are just much bigger than in others and much bigger in multiplayer too.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, one interesting thing is the demon always comes in on the end step, which keeps this whole deck in check because you can't do anything with it at that point. And I don't care if you have a Delcon Ori or whatever, it doesn't matter because it's your end step and what, you know, you can't attack with it until your next turn. Yeah. Which,
2: Kukusho which, dies on your opponent's turn. You drain for 15. It's like, oh man, my 15-15 demon is gone. Yeah, I'm not,
1: I'm not even going to make one because that wasn't during my turn. You exactly. need to gain the life during your turn. Uh, there are some life loss synergies that probably go in this deck. Villas Broker of Blood, we already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Font of Agonies is a good one. Every time you lose life, you put that many counters on it and then you can pay one in a black and remove four counters to destroy a creature. So your life loss turns into removal, which can be very, very and powerful. You and
2: are, you are paying life for this effect. So if you are getting a demon, you're paying life every single turn. Uh, And
1: then you want life gain synergies, so Alhambra's Archive will double the amount of life gain that you get. And also there's all these cards that say when you gain life you turn that into damage. either deal that much damage to all your opponents or deal damage to target opponent or whatever. There's Sanguine Bond, Marauding Blight, uh, Priest, Veto, which we already talked about, Thorn of the Dusk Rose, these all turn life gain into damage on your opponents. I
2: think is particularly good because you can activate it and it gives all your demons lifelink and mm. those are evasive creatures, so you can really just get that damage through.
1: Yeah, I think I like the fact that actually they chose to put the token coming in on the end step on this because I think this makes this a good casual power level deck. Like if you're in, you know, we hear from people all the time and they're in, they're like, uh, I build pow- more powerful decks than the rest of my playgroup and my playgroup has a hard time with it. What should I do? I think picking something like Tivash as your commander, which just naturally can only get so powerful because you cannot, there's no way around the fact that I can't attack with my demons right away. Mm-hmm. That will actually make it so there's just a hard limit on how powerful this deck can be.
2: I agree, I agree. And I think that people are gonna slowly realize that just making two twos, three threes, four fours actually like starts taking over and it ends up being really fun.
1: Right. All right, we got one more commander to go, one more card to go in all of Strixhaven. Are you ready, T.J.? I am ready. All right, let's talk about Yodora, Grave Gardener, four and a green for a five-five legendary Treefolk Druid. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may return it to the battlefield face down under its owner's control. It's a forest land. Whenever one of your non-token creatures dies, it becomes a land.
2: I love this. You know, I talk about cards when you have to commit to the board, and a lot of times if you're playing Mana Dorks, you're like, oh, my manadorks can all die. My ramp can die to a board wipe that just gets swept up in it. No, they get turned into forests. I love This seems love
1: extraordinarily it. powerful. You know, I think one thing we've seen over the past few years is that putting lands into play is one of the most powerful things you can do in Commander putting extra lands into play, right? Mm-hmm. Look at Orvar, look at all the lands matter decks. And this is just another way to put extra lands into play because your creatures that die become lands. So let's talk about the first category, which is
2: creatures that can double ramp you. Josh, can I convince you to uh, play a secure tri
1: in this deck? It's already like the most played. Gr- it's like I top know. five most played green card. And this becomes... Put two two mana, put two lands into play, basically, oh my gosh, right? it's so good. You, well, it's awesome, right? Because either you play before your door's out and it helps you get to your door yeah, faster. That's Oh, Because you're already playing Secure Tribal and tons of decks anyway, just for that. But then if you... The downside of Secure Tribal Builder can be like later in the game. It's it's a little bit more crappy. But in this case, no. You just sack it, get the land into play tapped, and then it also comes back onto the battlefield face down under owner's control. It's a forest land. By the way, too, the lands you door puts into play are not tapped, I have no idea why that's I the case. I have no idea why that's the case. It seems it's like amazing. totally a mistake. <laughs> but the the yeah
2: i don't know so anyway there are other ones too i mean secure tribe elder is the headliner of this but burnished heart dawn treader elk are really great but you know there's a ton of different green creatures that can sacrifice to give us value
1: yeah creatures that sack themselves i think are so so powerful with Yodora because they're going to do all the work for you well can and I? you're going to usually get something for sacrificing creatures you green have all these creatures they're like sacrifice this do the do the thing now it turns into a land
2: can i convince you to sacrifice two creatures magus of the order oh boy two green green for a three three human wizard green tap sacrifice magus the order and another green creature to search your library for a green creature card put it onto the battlefield then shuffle your library
1: and then they both the sacked creatures there's no, the Megas of the Order and this creature you sack turn into Forest Lands.
2: Ah, it's so good. And you get like whatever big creature you want straight on the battlefield. You know, Natural Order would be good in this deck too.
1: That's true. For well. sure.
2: Anything that sacrifices. Uh, there's also Emrakul's Evangel, two and a green for a 3 2 human horror. You can sacrifice Emrakul's Evangel and any number of other non Eldrazi creatures to put a 3 2 colorless Eldrazi horror creature token onto the battlefield for each creature sacrificed this way.
1: So you just want to sack your creatures, turn them into lands, and then you get three twos. Also, yeah. Uh, there's thrashing Brontodon, which will destroy an artifact or enchantment when you sack it. You have a Maya Elder, you can sack to draw cards and find or find lands uh, into your hand. Whisperwood Elementals is a pretty interesting one.
2: It's a 4-4 that manifests a card from the top of your library at the end of turn, but you can sacrifice it to give your creatures this sort of protection, where if they die, you can then manifest more cards. Um, So the Whisper Word can always be sacrificed for itself, turn into a land, whatever. But it's this manifesting effect that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about morphs and manifests in a second. Oh, yeah. They interact pretty interesting with Yodora.
2: Well, we got some little guys that interact with it and this i think is an interesting point because no one's arguing about all these more relevant creatures but now you have to wonder do i play a one one that can turn into a forest
1: yeah i I was i'm thinking like if rampant growth is two mana and very powerful played in most green decks two mana put a land into play Mm -hmm. so all these creatures and there's a ton of them in green that are just like they cost a green and then you can sacrifice them for some kind of minimal effect uh yeah, go ahead. Let's re- talk
2: about some of them because they, you wouldn't have heard of them. Uh, Child of Thorns is one green mana for a 1-1 one, one spirit. Sacrifice it. Target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Elvish, uh, Eulogist, one green for a 1-1. One, one. Sacrifice it. Gain one life for each elf card in your graveyard. Kroson, Wayfarer, one green, 1-1. One, one. Sacrifice it to put a land card from your hand into play. Spore Frog, people do know that. Oh, well, Spore Frog, you're definitely playing because
1: that card's yeah, too good. because that's
2: actually a good, good yeah. effect. But some of these other ones, plus one, plus one until end of turn, like gain some life.
1: I think you do play these cards because once your door is out, you just play those and they're one mana rampant growth. And a one mana rampant growth is broken. Like it's too good. That's why a rampant growth is at two mana. Mm-hmm. And so I do think the one mana, I think you don't want 50 of those cards, but I think you could stand to have like five or six of those cards because you're going to ramp into your Dora. So I'm guessing you're getting your Dora out on turn three or four every single game. Yes. Which means sure. that on the following turn, you just go, you know, play two or three of these things, sack them. And uh, again, they're mana neutral. Because those forests that they turn into come into play untapped. So they cost you nothing. They just put extra lands into play.
2: The thing that I, the, the reason why I think that I like these a lot is because uh, creatures can sometimes be useful when they're just creatures. Yeah. You know, we talked about artifacts just being useful when they're artifacts. You know, if we have things like the Great Henge that triggers off of a creature entering the battlefield or, you know, a- project. any number of them, you know, um, or Vizier of the Menagerie lets us play us off the top of the library. Tons of stuff that synergizes with creatures. Then suddenly these aren't just one ones that turn into force. They draw us cards. They're, they're part off of the your value. Of the they're they're Part of your value engine, or you can sort of sacrifice them for more for more relevant things. You know,
1: yeah. And and the next category is sacrifice outlets. And one of the things Green's really good at is sacrificing his creatures. So you can play things like Greater Good, Mm. Birthing Pod, Evolutionary Leap. These are all things that allow you to sack your creatures for some effect. Now, Greater Good, you want them to be larger. Birthing Pod, though, is really great for these one drop things. Sack them. Go find a two drop. And also get the effect if they come into play as a land. Um, that's probably going to be better than most of the effects like Child of Thorns and Elves usually just already have on them, right?
2: Oh, yeah. And I'd that gives you
1: another that. creature that you can then sack and turn into a land.
2: Or get your secure out and get two more lands.
1: Yeah. And Evolutionary Leap, obviously great because it just turns it into card draw. Oh, man.
2: So, so good. And
1: also there's altars. So you might turn them into mana. Astronauts, Phyrexian, altar. Altar of Dementia if you just want to kill Josh in any given game. Uh <laughs> Yeah, and then you'll need these cheap or free sacrifice uh, effects in order to to do some combos, which we're going to talk about in a minute here. Yeah. Uh, So there's a lot of things you can do with the small creatures, and that's why I think another reason why I would just put a bunch of these one- and two-drop creatures that can sacrifice themselves into the deck because I think they're just going to be good at all spots.
2: Wow. The way that you start abusing this and comboing off is by turning your lands back into creatures. So, if your lands are Crazy. creatures and you sacrifice them, then they're creatures and they come back as lands. And so, I'm going to read a bunch of them and then I'll explain a little bit. Uh, life and limb, living plane, living lands, root awakening, natural affinity, uh, Joral, Empress of Beast, ambush commander, nature's revolt, you know, all. There's a ton of them, you know, so I'm gonna read just life and limb. So you get a good idea of it Three and a green for an enchantment all forests and all saplings are one one green sapling creature tokens and forest lands in addition to their other types So that means that your forests are creatures and creatures when they die Come back turning into forests. So
1: here's what you get to do tap the forest for a green sack it to some effect could be your Ashno's Altar, your Frexian Alter Altar Dementia. Altar Dementia is a good one because now you're going to yeah. win. Uh, <laughs> Zurin Orb, I put as a maybe in this deck just for this thing because there's still lands, right? Yes. They become creatures also. Now you sacked a creature, so it comes back into play, right? Because it was a creature, and but it comes back into play as a land. Yeah. If you have a persistent effect, then all of a sudden you can just sack infinitely, right?
0: Mm hmm.
2: That's right.
1: Yeah, so if you if you have an enchantment out that says lands are creatures, now you sack it to Ashon's altar, altar dementia, whatever, it comes back in, it's a land, but it's also a creature, because the thing that's saying it's lands are creatures is still there.
2: That's right. And you can keep doing it over and over and over again, and it's untapped every single time.
1: So it's infinite mana, infinite... Infinite
2: mill, infinite... Infinite life of Xurnorb, infinite...
1: Yeah. yeah, whatever you're sacking for, it's infinite that.
2: And some of the, there are also some really good things too, that like, it might not be infinite, but that evolutionary leap that we talked about, you know, there can be a lot of sacrifice cards in here. Um, and trust me, there's a lot of ways to go infinite, but there's also a lot of ways to just move lands in and out of the battlefield. You know, you don't have to go infinite oh, to really just, point. yeah, you don't have to go infinite just to be able to have a bunch of your mana dorks die and become lands.
1: So it's a saying on the show, DJ, you don't have to go infinite. You just have to go a lot.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so landfall is awesome and more landfall than ever before because we can just constantly be getting force over and over again uh, do you know what likes landfall Sco- scoot swarm yeah. Uh, how about Rampaging Baloths?
1: Make a 4-4 every time, yeah.
2: Avenger of Zendikar?
1: Yeah, pump all oh, your yep, plants. Pump up
2: all your plants. And by the way, how many little saplings are you going to get? You're going to have so many lands in this deck. Oh my gosh. Uh, Ancient Green Warden, that's one that lets you play lands from your graveyard and right. it double triggers, you know, off oh of lands, enter the battlefield. So really there's a ton of cool landfall things in here. This could be a landfall deck, but one of the best things is that when someone kills your Avenger of Zendikar, it comes back as a land. And then there's a ton of different ways to get lands back into your hand.
1: You yeah. yeah. So there's, uh, we, we, I call this section Bounce Lands. Not <laughs> like good.
2: Bounce Lands, but That's Bounce good. Your That's Lands. Good.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like there's a bunch of cards that will allow you to return lands back to your hand. And this is great because if something dies and it comes back as a land and then you bounce that land back to your hand, you can now play it as whatever it was. So if it was your Avenger of Zendikar, you can be like, no, nah, I want to recast that as an Avenger of Zendikar, And this lets you rebuy a lot of your stuff.
2: Multani Yavamaya's avatar is four green green for a zero zero legendary elemental avatar with reach and trample. It gets plus one plus one for each land you control and each land card in your graveyard. You're going to have a lot of lands. This is going to be big. Uh, but also you can pay one and a green, return two lands you control to their owner's hand, return Multani from your graveyard to your hand.
1: You almost want Multani in your graveyard just so you can rebuy the stuff that's been turned into lands through the door. Absolutely. Just the important stuff, like your little one-drop, sacrifice, have a little effect. You want those to remain as lands, but your good stuff, you want to get back.
2: Absolutely. A Karu lands are ways to bunch it back. Um, and Den, I know that it's in it's in Gruul. Red, yeah. It's in red, but just throwing your it door out probably
1: there. probably goes in the and Den deck.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and then of course, there's like Curian Ranger and Scrib Ranger and these other ones that untap creatures and have you bouncing lands back to your hand. So really, there's a ton of ways to bounce things back to your hand and rebuy all of these relevant creatures. And a lot of them are on creatures so if they die they become lands it's a big cycle it's like green the circle of lands
1: <laughs> all right let's talk about something we alluded to earlier which is how morph interacts with what Yodora is doing so here's the here's the wording when a creature you control dies you may return it to the battlefield face down under its owner's control so morph megamorph they really only care if they're face down and if they are face down, then they allow you to pay the morph cost and flip it over as a special action and so morph does work. Yeah, we with tweeted we, we found
2: some Twitter yeah. from real people and morph works because you're you're kind of like does, does It does feels it like that shouldn't work, it but yes, like it does. feels like it shouldn't work because here's the thing, okay? This is just, I'm going to read Team or Charger because it's a really good one. Uh, one and a green for a 3-1. It has morph cost of reveal a green card from your hand.
1: Just show a green card and then you just morph it up.
2: Show a green card, okay? And then when it's turned face up, target creature gains trample until end of turn. Not irrelevant, you know? Okay. So you sacrifice Team or Charger and it goes into your graveyard, but oh wait, it comes back and it comes back face down as a forest, except... It doesn't care that it's a forest. It's still face down, so you can show a green card, morph it up, and then suddenly it's a creature again for you to sacrifice again, turn into a forest. And guess what? You can tap it for green in between all of that.
1: Yeah. So you actually (sighs) sack it. It becomes a forest. You tap the forest for green, then flip it up by revealing a green card. That's why it's so good, because it unmorphs for no mana. And then, so if you've got... Altar of Dementia, well, that's game over for everybody. If you've got Ashnod's Altar or Phyrexian Altar, that's infinite mana for you. And you just have infinite X's. mana to
2: do whatever you want. You have
1: infinite mana by itself with any sack outlet that's, that's free so anyway, much- because it creates the one mana you tap in between. So yeah. And and this works with like Den Protector and, you know, the other things. Now they don't go infinite immediately because you do have to pay some mana to um flip to unmorph them, but it's still very powerful to be able to be like, boom do the thing, sack it, comes back as a land, tap the land, flip it over, sack it again, comes back as a land, tap the land, flip it over. That's going to get you like a ton, a ton of value, even if it's not infinite.
2: The ones that can go infinite is, uh, just in case you care, is Proteus Machine, which morphs for zero, and Branch Snap Lorien, which morphs for a single green. Because remember, like even one green works because you can tap the forest. So you can keep getting that sacrifice value, even though you don't get infinite mana straight off of that.
1: And a lot will go infinite with Ashnods or uh, Phyrexian altar because you can basically create two to three mana, depending on which one of those are. So You
2: mentioned Den Protector. I like Thelenite Hermit. Because like morph creatures are just good. And this one's just fun because it basically is a four mana one, one that gives all sapperlings plus one, plus one. But it has morph. But it has morph and it morphs for uh, three green, green. When it's turned face up, create four one, one green sapperling creature tokens. So you can literally like just keep looping this. And I know it costs, you know, three green, green, but looping this can create a ton of tokens and really fill the battlefield. And you, as you go through it, you are going to gain one green mana you tap it and then you know get it back again i
1: mean with phyrexian altar you can technically go infinite right because it's creating five creatures it's creating a,
2: five bodies and it only and you can tap the forest that it so becomes
1: create six mana for on yeah so immediately and with Ashnod's, astronauts you can do it a bunch it's of just
2: times just like you're we're accidentally going infinite with this yeah stuff. i mean so yadori crazy. is
1: a little bit crazy i just think we've learned like messing around with lands and cheating lands into play is very very powerful so newsflash spoiler alert <laughs> Getting a lot of lands to play will win you a lot of magic games, or at least commander games. So free sack outlets are going to be the order of the day out of a big part of this. Just oh, yeah. getting your creatures to die when you want to. And then you're going to even, I think this will be the type of deck where you just accidentally find these loops, even if you didn't build your deck to be combo.
2: I also think that like, you can just put big dumb things in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can get it out with the, um, with like your natural order kind of stuff. Yep. And you can just get this big dumb thing or you just cast it and that can be fun magic.
1: I like little things, but yeah, high CMC stuff is fun too. So those are gonna be
2: all of the
1: Commanders now, all 20 of them, we've gone through them from the Commander 2021 product. you had a little note here that life gain is a known archetype, but that you liked a lot of the Witherbloom stuff.
2: Yeah, I like the Witherbloom stuff. It's a known archetype. So it's not like people were like, oh my gosh, it's breaking ground because we've seen black, white do life gain a lot. We've seen, you know, green, white do life gain. So it's kind of nice so black, to see. black, not
1: that new of a, Yeah, yeah
2: but it's kind of nice to see like, oh, like we're playing with that a little bit. I like some of the food stuff, but it's not like this, you know, impactful thing where it's like, oh, a new thing. But like the artifacts, man.
1: Yeah, I think Lorehold, I was pretty happy with. Oscar, even Mm Loshiel, who has card draw on it. um, I I, I was pretty excited with a lot of the direction that they took a lot of the Lorehold stuff with Archaomancer's map and some other cards in there. It feels like, you know, we've had Smothering Tithe and we've had some other stuff come along and it feels like they've concentrated their efforts and White and Boros what used to be Boros is coming along and moving in the direction we want it to, which is good. I think it still has a little ways to go, but I like that they obviously have identified the problem and are targeting it. And I have a you know good hope that we'll be in a format where Boros slash lower hold and mono white are like contenders again.
2: Yeah. Like artifacts that aren't just like equipment or vehicles. You know what I mean? Like this is, this just suddenly plays with a huge portion of powerful cards that we have access to. And we've seen by describing these, like we just went super deep into them because there's so much artifacts to like mess around with and to interact with it's been it's been really cool i've yeah, enjoyed yeah you can it. have some
1: value engine going on with your attacking which i like yeah all right let's do what we always do at the end here and remember for these next two um, for our award ceremony for the C twenty one stuff, which is we're gonna be talking about our most who we think the most powerful new commander from C21 is and who our favorites are. Uh, we are gonna be considering all of the C20 precon stuff. So this will include Quandrix, Silver Quill, and Prismari, along with Witherbloom and Lorehold. So most powerful new commander from C21. DJ, let's read the nominees real quick here. And the nominees are Varen, Voice of Duality. That's the Spell Harmonicon one. Rionya, Fire Dancer. That's the mono-red one that creates uh, sort of kiki-jiki tokens of stuff based on how many instants and sorceries you've cast. Willow Dusk, Essence Seer. Um, the one that taps and adds counters equal to the amount of life you've either gained or lost. Oscar, the Reconstructor, which is the one that exiles thing, artifacts from your graveyards and makes t- two token copies of them. And then Yodora, the Gravegardener, which is the last one we talked about, that when your creatures die, they become forests. Those, I think, are the top five?
2: I, I think so. Most powerful. Yeah, I think definitely that those are the most powerful. Okay. I think that um, Felisa
1: makes could, the 2-1 flyers. Uh, yeah,
2: makes the inklings for the post-1, plus one, post-1 plus one counters. Could, any counters, yeah. Yeah, could be. Oh, any counters, yeah. yeah. Could be getting into there, but I like I like our list a lot.
1: I know who, which one I think is the most powerful. Do you know which one you think is the most powerful? I do. Alright, we're going to say it at the same time. 3, 2, 1, Varen. Varen.
2: Voice of duality.
1: Yeah, I think it's just sort of stormy, and there's so many things you can do that are just very, very powerful.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I really like the way it attacks on two-axis, the way that you can just do your normal game plan, and suddenly everything Think gets bigger, and then like, oh, my commander is gigantic. I can just kill someone with it. It's it seems to be just doing what you want to do, which is playing efficiently, tight magic, and then you just win.
1: I think Yudora is pretty close. I think Yudora is also I very think, powerful.
2: I think if Yudora wasn't a five drop, yeah, it would it would actually. But it is handle. in
1: mono green, mm-hmm. and five is not a big ask in mono green. Like I said, I think a lot of games you're going to cast that on turn three. Mm. So I think Yador is going to be very, very strong and could potentially be more powerful than Varen. We could be wrong. It's at least in the conversation. I think all the rest of these, Oscar or Willides, they both have to tap. So that just slows them down enough that I think it's hard for them to be the most powerful. They have kind of a big downside too where get removed once, it's harder to get your thing going again because you got to wait that turn or have a haste enabler. I and agree. then Rionia yeah. is very powerful, but I think it's a little bit cute and you know very vulnerable to like the turn you play it. They just remove it immediately.
2: Yeah, especially because you want to... You want to kind of put a bunch of stuff together. You need to have that relevant creature on the battlefield. You need to have Ryonia out. Yes, you can create one immediately, but you kinda of wanna cast a few spells. You really so need like, like
1: sneak attack or something crazy to get it going, and it's just an additional and the, piece. But
2: sneak attack is also just like a great card in yeah. general. So it's like, wait, are we playing a commander that then makes great cards better, better? or fine? You know what I mean? It's well, I like, think
1: that's better than making good bad cards good you're right, because you're right. then you've got all bad cards in your <laughs> But deck. I've seen
2: sneak attack decks that work really well and don't need rayonia, you know. Okay. Let's talk
1: about our favorite new C-21 Commander. So this is not necessarily the most powerful, but the ones that we're sort of the most drawn to. And I've got mine picked out. Do you know who your favorite is? I've got mine picked out. Okay, I don't think we have to say this one at the same time. You go ahead.
2: Uh, It's Rayonia Fire Dancer. I just talked about how maybe she was a little bit cute, but she makes copies. She storms off creatures. It's so much fun. I've just did searches on all the cool red creatures and like literally said, Oh my gosh, I can just red storm creatures out. It's, it's awesome.
1: That's funny. Cause I, I think I would pick Rionia as my favorite. The one that <laughs> I'm most likely to like build a deck around. I think Oscar is second for me, mm. but Rionia does look very, very cool. Just that. Yeah. The ability to just be like, go off, sneak something out, make five copies of it, do something nuts. Oh, yeah. sounds fun. I, it might be harder to do than I think, but I want to try. I
2: don't it. think so. I think that you just like, hey, I'm going to make one extra Dark Side Extortionist just by having my commander Seems at. pretty good. I'm just going to make, yeah, I'm just going to make one more Combustible Gear Hulk or one more Inferno Titan. It's just like, I can play my... Oh, my
1: god! And every once in a while, I'm going to make 17 of those. Yes! Those, yeah. Storm
2: kill Arcanist or Gutter Snipes or all this other stuff. And I like that it balances spells and creatures, too. You're not just like, oh, I'm a spells deck and you fill it all with spells. You're like, you have to play this nice balance. Yeah, that balance
1: is hard, I too, like it. for deck building. So that's very cool. All right, to the listeners... Who cares what our favorite new commander is? What is your favorite new commander from C twenty one from the Strixhaven precons? Are there any that you've already built or ones that you are planning on building? We want to know. Let us know in the comments, uh, on Twitter, email. People don't usually email us that that kind of yeah. stuff, but you can uh, in the Discord if you're a yeah. patron. And if you do, if you are in the midst of building anything we would like you to consider going to cardkingdom.com slash command zone to purchase your magic products, singles, anything at all. You know, you're going to buy magic cards anyway. You want to build these decks. You want to play them against your friends. You need the cards to do that. If you just use cardkingdom.com slash command zone when you purchase those cards, you're simultaneously getting the cards that you want but just as gravy has extra value thrown in, you're supporting the content that you enjoy. We really appreciate everybody that buys stuff through Card Kingdom uh, through our affiliate link. It helps us out a ton. And then once you get that stuff, you want to protect it. You want to keep it in good condition. Make sure that you use Ultra Pro products to, co- to protect all of your game pieces. They really are the best in the business at keeping your cards and all your game stuff in the best shape possible making sure that it looks good it retains its value. It, it really is the stuff I have every single one of my decks in eclipse sleeves. I play on ultra pro playmats I have all my decks in ultra pro deck boxes. It really I can't say anything else uh, or recommend them any higher than like I, I literally use this stuff because I don't want my cards to get messed up either uh, You need your cards to retain their value right DJ?
2: Abs- absolutely, you need <laughs> to go out there and Get some cool looking cards. Get some of these and put them in decks.
1: Yeah. If you get like a Japanese alt art foil demonic tutor. Wow. You best be putting that in an eclipse sleeve like Two right sleeves, away. Two sleeves, Yeah, Josh. Put it in a penny sleeve and then put it in an eclipse sleeve.
2: A penny sleeve. He doesn't even know the name of the What is it? Slaves. Perfect fit? Yes.
1: Yes, I know. <laughs> but I do not like double sleeving. Just put It's fine. It
2: doesn't, it's fine.
1: <laughs> Just put it in the eclipse sleeve. Then put it in a binder. That's totally fine. Okay. Uh <laughs> End step. We are not doing an end step because once again we are still doing a lot. We're going to start video. those
2: up again, though. We, we will once we again. start
1: doing one episode of the podcast a week, then we'll have time to think about end steps I, again. I
2: have end steps stored up, so we're good. This is
1: great, DJ End Step. He's the end step captain for a while because I don't have that many cool things. Um, all right, big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team. With it, which is, I'm going to take a breath. Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgeon, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, and Garav Galati. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for doing the living card animations that begin our episodes, and also often sit behind us here on set. This is Fabled Passage, and was done by Jeffrey. You can find him on Twitter at Living Cards MTG. How does Strix, it? Strixhaven's a wrap. That's a wrap on Strixhaven, everybody. How's it feel, DJ? DJ, you were the... Jimmy and I weren't there for the totality of it. We were there for... We split it kind of in half, but you were here for every Strixhaven podcast episode. That was a lot.
2: There, there's a lot of Strixhaven stuff. What... Do not, don't get me wrong. Strixhaven overload a little bit, but honestly they're just a lot of really good cards. And there's a lot of different things. And when we get the Commander product, we always want to do stuff. So even though I'm like really deep into Strixhaven, like I'm still like buying singles and like putting them in decks and brewing around them. So really is a fun set. And so we just now get to look forward to even more Commander releases.
1: Yeah, we've got Modern Horizons 2 around the corner. But then right after that is uh adventures in the forgotten realms which is going to be similar to strixhaven in that will have a main set a full set but also there, there's going to be four full-on commander decks coming out with forgotten Realms. so there's going to be a lot more to talk about very very soon uh i guess don't waste any time in upgrading your decks because we're going to be right you know, back right? at the table doing the same thing very soon we appreciate everybody who stuck with us for all of strixhaven i'm assuming every single one of you out there has watched every one of the videos dj you've done such an awesome job it's been good to have you around. I hope you stick around because, so like I said, we're gonna need the help again, really, really soon. So, I know everybody's been happy to have DJ here. Give him some love in the comments. All right, I'm gonna stop talking now so we can end this episode. Sorry, super, super long. Uh, thanks for
2: watching. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Thank you for your attention.